Welcome back to another episode of Goal Lounge. We are coming to you live today from our VIP lounges, our Goal Lounges. Moss has got a clinker brick there because, you know, his team brought the solid defense this weekend. Um, yeah, we've you know got it. the other lands. <laughs> we've, we've got Wonga who stepped up his game today. He's got a headphone. He's got a background. He's got his shirt on. He's even got sound, ladies and gentlemen. The man, And we can see him. That's the best part about it. Lolo's in his casual spot as he is, you know, wearing his red United shirt, the shirt we don't all like. We've got um, um, Matthias, Matthew, Wait sitting there in the background. And then we've got Nick. Oh, look at, look in. Yeah, yeah. Matthew's very happy. And then Nick, um, he's, he's super chilled as well. You can see who, who had good weekends and who didn't have, <laughs> who didn't have good weekends. <laughs> yeah. Um, so, Let's let's um let's kick. Oh, before we we start anything, guys, don't forget to like, don't forget to subscribe, hit the notification buttons because obviously the more you guys do that, the more we are able to chat to you guys online. So, but before we go anywhere, we're gonna start off with this banger. Hey. The six one, hey. the six one. Let's get. Oopsie. Hey, excuse me. Oop, we got some technical issues. <laughs> okay. Nope, that's not working. We're going to start off with the United 6-1. Yeah, kick us off. I just want to ask the Hello, uh, I think you need to speak to us. Yeah. <laughs> Remember that front six discussion that we were talking about uh, at the beginning of this, uh, the shows before the season kicked off? Yeah. How, how's that front six looking between uh, Tottenham and uh, United? <laughs> well, it's pretty well, very well, you know. What I mean, I even said last week that that if if Son wasn't playing, I felt confident. But Son played, you know. What I mean, I said that last week. Don't you remember? I said that I said if Son wasn't playing, and I would feel confident. Um, and I thought he wasn't gonna play, but obviously he he, he recovered from his injury um, because I knew um, that the combination of Son and on, and Kane had done well already this season and uh, would would cause problems. So so obviously. Um, discussions that were had in the first show um, compared to what was said last week. I think what was said last week is obviously something that you would you would you would rather listen to and take to heart. But but yeah, no, Tottenham played very well. Uh, Mourinho, um, tactician, you know. Um, but also, it's it's quite easy to to outsmart a coach like uh, uh, like Solskjaer. Uh, Solskjaer um, only has um, one type of tactic, and he doesn't he can't change his tactics. You know what I mean? You know. Um, you know, aside from aside from the red card in itself, you know, Tottenham would have still won by a three margin, even if Martial stayed on the field. Like it would have been probably like four one, probably. But still, Tottenham would have still won if it was eleven versus eleven because Tottenham before the red card and after the red card. You know, Man United were literally the better team for for two minutes probably of that whole game, just for two minutes, um, just to start, and then from there on, the floodgates opened up. Um, was a great game from Tottenham. Uh, Man United, after the red card, they should have um, changed their, their defensive shape. Um, they shouldn't have pressed as much. Uh, but yeah, Solskjaer, um, with with his poor in-game management, just just kept on pressing, which doesn't make sense. You know, you press um, and, you, and you've got one less player. And it left Serge Aurier um, free, always. Serge Aurier was always free. He was an outlet 
on the right hand side. You know what I mean? Like every time yeah. ball played, and then all of a sudden it gets switched to Sergio Aurier. And then also another tactic that Sosha should have changed was the whole passing from the back when you're when you're down to ten men. While they kick the ball up front, play it in their half, but you still want to play out from the back. So for instance, you know you saw that third goal is that that Mourinho obviously told his players, he told Son and he told Kane, he doesn't want to play from the back and they're not the best at playing from the back and just make sure that you catch them out. And what happened? Baye still tried to play from the back. That, 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 that's also a stupid pass. You know, he's playing, there's about three players around Matic and he still tries to play to, uh, to Matic and then it gets cut off by Kane and then obviously then um, gets passed to Son and then Son uh, passes back to Kane and it's a goal. So it was quite um, naive from, from, from Solskjaer um, showed his inexperience as a manager. Poor, 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 poor. Like you can't be coaching. You can't be coaching like that. You know what I mean? Um, but yeah, no, let's not take away anything from Tottenham. You know, Tottenham played well. Uh, they were a better, better team on the side. And uh, as I said, eleven against eleven, they still would have won uh, by by a good margin. Yeah, uh, I think, Celo, you had a good five minutes there where you just you laid down the problems. I think you planned it from the weekend. You were like, hey, this is coming for me. Let me just get it all out the way, and then we're going to let the other lads jump on you. I'm so surprised that you guys didn't interrupt and didn't uh, – you, you were so – everyone is too civil here. They, yeah, they I, let him finish. I'm speaking – because I'm speaking I, facts. I, you know what I mean? If, if I was talking rubbish, if I was talking rubbish, someone would come on and say, hey, man, you're talking rubbish. No, the, the one thing I disagree maybe slightly with was the idea that Son was the only big factor. I think that, uh, well, I mean, you did touch on it too. Spurs would have won 11 v 11 through the whole game. For me, the game was won and lost in the midfield. I think yeah. there's a lot of talk about United's defence, but the reason they were under so much pressure was because United's midfield, was they weren't in the game. Um, it was another, it was a masterstroke from Mourinho, the three he chose, and the Ceslo, uh, and the Bele and Sissoko, that strong... You know, they get in your face, they really get involved in the game and they took the, the game to United midfield and that's what put the defence under so much pressure. But yeah. I agree with you, they should change tactics. They shouldn't have kept trying to pass it out when they, were, when they could see they were losing that so badly. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. you, know, you couldn't have asked, as a Spurs fan and as, as a Spurs team, I don't think we could have asked for a more accommodating setup from the, the, the opposition side. As you said, Aurier had free reign. He was constantly available on the side. He was a constant outlet, constant threat. And because it was always there, he was dragging players out of position and there was just so much room. And, and as you said, the, the Kane and Son show was back. They, they just, they've got a, a, a really good connection at the moment. They just seem to, without looking, know where the other guy is. Um, and it, it, it all came together really well. I mean, from a first perspective, other than the, the, the opening two minutes where we were potentially slightly flat-footed. Um, but in some ways, that might have been a blessing. I think um, maybe if you guys hadn't had that early penalty, we might not have woken up in quite the manner we did. But... It's yeah. impossible to know for sure, obviously. But other than those first sort of two minutes, it just kind of, it was all one-way traffic and it felt really easy. And it's weird. We've been in the position where we've been beating United by three goals at half-time in the past. And we haven't won. And you always feel that as a, as a you're watching Spurs play, we can be three goals ahead, but if there's still a long time to go, you sort of feel, oh, maybe this could still turn. I'd never felt that way, you know, this yeah. time around. It was... It never felt like United were going to hurt us. It was, it was really, it really wasn't United. It really was not watching the United side. We were at Old Trafford and we were dominating in every part of the pitch. It was phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's one of those games I'm going to look back on for the rest of my life and, and remember. And I got to watch it with my sons and it was amazing. We were screaming. But it, <laughs> you think about it, if United at Old Trafford, it shouldn't have gone that way. It shouldn't have felt that way. It shouldn't have felt so easy. There was no 
after the after the equalizer, there was never another point where I was worried about the game. It was it was yeah. amazing, incredible. The game, the team played phenomenally. I mean, Spurs are all over the pitch, where every single player did what they had to do in in and like in a clinical and and really kind of you know targeted way. Pure class. Really what was yeah. there, and and yeah. they saw that the midfield was nowhere. They dominated that. They saw the defense were flustered and they were pressing them every time the United defenders had the ball. They were running at them and making them make bad decisions, and it was. Mm. It was. They, it put was them under, they put them under pressure, and yeah, yeah and, and, you fed, and you fed off the mistakes. You know, what I mean, like, like literally yeah. also that, that um, the the goal for 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 Stone when 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 Kane took the early free kick. Like we all know, you're supposed to start. You're supposed to stand in front of the, the free kick taker, or take the ball and put it in your hand, or throw it in the yeah. air, and you literally just stepping away. Where your defensive shape is not right, why he was on the side, you know what I mean, and Son was in the middle, and that was just obviously Son's pace just just went right through. So yeah, I mean, yeah. you guys, you exploited our, our, our weak points. Um, yeah, I mean, so, so it was, it was Quick a question. I've got right? a question. I've got a question, Cello. Tell me about Harry Maguire, bro. <laughs> Yo. Yeah. He's hitting the ball on his own player there. He's like, yeah, no, yeah, well, that, 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 <laughs> and pulling his own player down and everything. <laughs> 80, 80 million pounds. We were chatting about um, Virgil van Dijk and we were talking about him being that plus one player. And in his mm. presence in, in the team, it kind of adds something. It's almost like having an extra player just because of who yeah. he is. And you think for the amount of money you spend on Maguire, you're getting that plus one. And mm. we've, you know, he's never been a plus one, but on, on, on this game, he was actually a minus one. He was constantly pulling, actually doing detriment to the defense. I mean, pulling Shaw down, being in the wrong place. We, he's never been a pacey defender. Yeah, he was, he was. And I think to a certain extent, some of the criticism he gets is a little bit unfair because it's related purely it, simply to the, the team fee. Involved. But this weekend, he actually showed that regardless of the fee, if you'd got him for 15 million, it would have been too much. You know, he was not... He made a good mistake, you know. Um, for a person that, that, that is a good hitter, you cannot, you cannot be hitting a ball like, like that to back to the goalkeeper and doesn't even make it to the goalkeeper. You know what I mean? <laughs> Yeah. Um, yeah. Wonder, what, what did you want to say, Wonga? Yeah, look, I see Maguire... Look, when, when he played in that, the, the last World Cup, um, um, even the keepers, well, Pickford, they they played they played very very well in that World Cup. I don't know if it's the yeah. players are around, whatever, but Maguire had a good World Cup for me watching him. And now did, yeah. playing as soon as he got signed for Man United, uh, I don't know, he's been going down. But I can tell you this, and you know, being an Arsenal fan supporter watching, is that if they don't change Maguire or try and do something. It's gonna continue. Like we had the same problem. We've had the same problem for years at Arsenal. And you think, okay, no, the guy's gonna improve. He's gonna improve. <sighs> Nothing happens. I think Thomas Vermaelen had a, a Thomas Vermaelen started well, and then he started dipping form. Obviously, he had injuries. Didn't help him as well. Um, oh no, Colshaney. I think he started improving. I mean, that's a rare case. And then the guys after that, who was that? Mustafi. Also, I think one or two games good. The rest horrible. And the other defenders started bringing after that to horrible. The only way for me, I see it, change Maguire, take him off. I know he's captain, but take him off, put someone on, give them a chance. That's yeah. what I said at half time, which is why I got taken is, off. But is it, is you guys think the problem is 
Yeah, is it only that problem? Is it only just Maguire that's a problem there at Man United? Or I was looking at Man oh. United and I couldn't see too many things working out well. No, no, hold on. So I want to like what, what I found very interesting was that yeah. within the first 20 minutes, that game was like, sure, okay, it, it started in an unusual manner. They got a penalty within the first 36 seconds. That doesn't happen every day. But the game was incredibly open. You'd never say that was a game between two really big teams. And that's yeah. where the difference between you say, okay, you got Mourinho, who is like a tactician of note. He's astute. He knows exactly the play. The difference was Tottenham knew exactly what they were doing and Man United were all over the place. And now we, yeah. we, we are singling out Maguire, sure, because, I mean, he was awful and he can't hide from it. But the fact is yeah. the way in which United approached the game didn't help his case. For a man who yeah. doesn't have any pace, like – they're also getting caught up in that in that that system where Liverpool have to uh, where where Liverpool and the likes of Arsenal and all these guys are now playing this progressive high line sort of football. That's never going to help a Maguire. And it always feels like when a game's that exposed or that open, a player like that will get exposed. You guys need to be more compact. You need to be sitting deeper, and that just wasn't the case on the weekend. But, and for me, good question. You know, the, the, if you're gonna. If you're going to play a system is an, an entire team-wide system. You can't expect the defense to do an entire thing on its own. And the midfield yeah. had a role to play in that. You've got to play a defender like Maguire there who has his strengths and weaknesses that were, were on full display in the game. The midfield weren't doing enough of holding the ball. They weren't creating enough. They weren't putting Spurs under pressure. You know, Pogba and Fernandes, they, they were very quiet. They were very standoffish. They were being dominated by the Spurs midfield. And I think... That's where a lot of the problems came. A lot of the situations where the United defence found themselves under pressure was when the, the midfield were absent. And I think yeah. the, it, it's not so much changed the, the, the defensive um, you know, defenders that are in there, but also talk about the entire system. Are, we, are they even, as an entire team, playing the right system for the, the, the personnel they've got on the field? Yeah. And it goes, see, that's, what, actually, see that, that's the coaching problem. That's the, that's the problem with the coach. The coach is a person who sets up his team. And also... The coach needs to realize that one thing I've realized with Solskjaer is that he can't make the big decisions. You know what I mean? He, like for instance, in in this this uh, this start of the season, Pogba hasn't started well. You know what I mean? He came back from coronavirus, didn't have a preseason. Rather put the guy aside and put him as a substitute. You know what I mean, there's nothing wrong with doing that. You know what I mean? Put the guy off. Uh, play Fred. Fred Fred has got some uh, a lot of energy. He had a preseason. Mm -hmm. I'd rather play him and then Pogba can come off the bench. You know what I mean? Rather think about these things. You know I mean, you know, um, previously, there was Mata who did well during the, the, the cup uh, midweek. Uh, he scored, exactly. he so, didn't get a chance again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so such things. So, he, he's so set in his ways where he doesn't um, adjust and he's, he's very predictable in what he's going to do. He will set up, like, as a coach, you're going to play Man United. You know how, 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 how Social is going to um, set up. There's no surprise that he would offer in his lineup uh, or in his fo formation. He's, he's just going to set up the same way. Um, and that's something that, that, that's always been lacking. Uh, and it's always been uh, something that, that, has, that has, he's been caught out with in the big games last season, especially. And yeah, obviously this season as well, um, just practically every game he's been caught out, you know. So um, he's numbered definitely. Um, and let's see, let's see what happens. Last season, when his days were numbered, he would... Um, go on a run, uh, go on a run, and be undefeated. So let's see, let's see what, how he reacts after the international break. Yeah, you're hoping for another undefeated run uh, from Man United. I'm saying, let's see how he reacts. You know, what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> he's a coach. <laughs> That's the difficult thing, man.
They won't lose this that... weekend. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they're safe. They're safe this weekend. Yeah, perfect game for them this weekend. <laughs> Matt, Matt, was was that the best game you've seen uh, Spurs play? Was that like one of the, your top highlights as a Spurs fan? I, it, it's right up there. I mean, it, you know, it's, there's there's been amazing games. It's it, the, the cool thing about supporting a team like Spurs is we the the games that come like that are, are relatively far between. You know, especially the last couple of years. So there have been some incredible games, some some emotional games, and that. And but this was, in a way, this was this was less emotional because it was so one-sided. So it was <laughs> amazing to watch, and it was really. You know, I mean, who's going to be upset with their team scoring six at Old Trafford against United? You know, you're not going to complain. But at the same time, it was, there there have been games where we've won by closer margins that have, have felt like they meant more. You know, the five-four against Arsenal was a, such a. There were t- we were losing, we were winning, we were back in it, we were out of the game, and then you know the and and that one provoked more in me. And um, same with the the semi final against Ajax last two years ago it was we were out the game and then we were back. Those are the ones that really that, that stick with the memory, the emotional yeah. roller coaster. This one from about the tenth minute, we knew we were winning, and it never felt different from the rest of the game. So I mean, I'll always remember it. I'm always going to be talking to my sons about the time I nearly threw them through the ceiling when we went five-one up, you know. But <laughs> <laughs> don't give them yeah. another big head. Uh, United aren't coping well with theirs. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> it was oh, a great, man. fantastic yeah. weekend. I fully expect Spurs to come out and and have a either a really boring one-nil loss or some boring nil-nil draw really soon because that, that's what we do. But it, for but, for this weekend, it was good. On another note, where we we I know we scrutinised Maguire a little bit, but there was that incident that at halftime Bruno Fernandes comes off, and a couple of days later they say the man literally had a go at Maguire. They had a scuffle. He belittled him. He told him he wasn't worthy of the United shirt. Never mind the armband. So I'm curious as to see how that unfolds moving forward. Silo, what do you think will happen in that dynamic where you clearly have a quality player in the likes of a Bruno Fernandes who knows what he's doing. He's a winner. He's a competitor. And then he's got a guy who's got the arm man at the back and he's doing clown, clownish things at the back there. So like, how do you think these things will, these things will move forward going on? Like, how does Oli manage this? Because let's be honest, the only reason he's still got his job is because Klopp did him a favor. But we'll, we'll talk about that later. <laughs> I know, we'll see. We'll see what happens. Obviously, those those are just those are rumors. Um, if they're true, they're true. If they're not, not uh, whatever. Um, you know, he's 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 had a disagreement. He's had a on-field disagreement with Lindelof before. So um, they'll they'll obviously together. Um, Solskjaer will obviously bring them together and just uh, you know uh, try and get them on the same page again. You know, um, I think you know he was just frustrated and probably just taking out his frustrations on 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 someone who. Who had had made two errors uh, in that first half, you know? So, uh, man, these things happen in football, man. Uh, you know, uh, think what didn't Loris fight with Son the other time? So these yeah. these things happen in football, man. So, uh, man, it's it's good for the team as well. You can't have a, a team where you just accept um, defeat. You need to um, scream at one another and say, "Hey, what are you doing?" Um, yeah. There's also where where the hair was literally screaming at at Shaw and saying, "Look, look, 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 no, look, no, look, no," and then. Shaw went out of position and Son got in for, for, for the goal. You know what I mean? So these things are part of football. You need to hold your uh, teammates ac- um, to um, to account for their errors. And they just need to know that, hey, man, listen, pull your socks up as well, you know? And and you want it you want it to hurt the players as much as it hurts us. I mean, yeah, definitely. Fact, I don't want them to walk off like, 
you know, I, I want them to feel it the way I do. And and I think for Liverpool, that was Carragher. You know, you could see him, every, every loss hurt him. And it, I think that that's what makes us love our teams, you know. And yeah. Passion, if, yeah. If, the, the guys have to have passion, yeah. Yeah, otherwise, you know, you don't, as much as it is a job to them, I don't want it to look like they're just doing a job when they're doing it. I want I want to yeah. feel like so. Yeah, but that's so that's the thing. And I'm going to pose the question to Nick here and Mossa. And in terms of being a player, when you know you've had a stinker and you're the captain and you've had another player literally have a go and undermine you in front of everyone else, what do you do then in that scenario? Do you, do you actually want to go out second half and really try your best? Or do you just want to say, listen, like, you know what? I know you're a better player than I am. Just go out there and you take the armband and let's see how this, see if it improves a little bit. Yeah. I- I don't know. It's a tough one when you're a manager of a side. You know, I, I, yeah. I don't know the ins and outs. I didn't actually know that he was taken off for that reason. But, I mean, you know, as a player, you know, it maybe shows you Maguire if he has to come out, for example, and, and, and sort of show why he is a leader, you know. When the, when the tough gets, when, when, it, when the times are tough, you know, you've got, that's when a true leader sort of shows his true character. So, it is a tricky one. I mean, managing a situation like that. Um, I mean, I personally have no problem when players are having goes at each other because I know that they actually care then. Because if they're yes. just coming off after being 4 nil down or whatever it was, 4-1 down, um, you know, and everyone's just happy as Larry, then, then, there's, an, then there's an actual issue um, because then they're actually not playing for the badge. Um, it, it is tricky when your captain and the person you everyone's going to should be turning to is is having a stinker. Um, it's, it is a it is a tough one. It is a tough one. I I, I don't know. Um, I think like take teams the generally away from him. I don't know. Yeah, I think teams generally should have players that do have that type of character that do pose these questions and do test everybody else around them. That's that's how you sometimes bring the best out of uh, certain best players in the team. You can't have yeah. a team that's literally just led by one guy, and if he's having a stinker, nobody reacts. It wouldn't um, galvanize anybody in the team or actually push the team forward. So, yeah. the the manager's job in that in that instance is to ensure that there is um, the tension is there. It is real. It is aware from all, all all parties. But then to make sure that they still work cohesively afterwards, you don't really have to be friends with your teammates. You, yeah. you I think assigned a job. Mourinho fixed that. Mourinho fixed that problem at uh, at Spurs. Uh, if you've watched that All or Nothing program, he actually yeah. he actually comes in and says, he says you guys are a bunch of nice guys, and he's like, nice guys don't win. Um, yeah. And he says you need you need a bunch of you need you guys need to be a bunch of bastards on the field, you know. And at the right. end of the day, I, I, I mean, probably to your teammates as well as to the opposition, you need to you need to you know at the end of the day, you got ninety minutes. To go and do your job, you don't like Moses says. You don't need to be friends with your with your colleagues. You just got to go get the job done because you can pay for it. So if that mm. means pulling pulling someone by the scruff of the neck and saying, "Hey, get your shit shit in order," then I've got no problem with that. Well, well to be fair, Maguire did do that to his own play. He did pull them by the scruff of the neck, and that's what led to the goal. <laughs> but um, I want to I want to talk about the, the other part in terms of the sending off, guys. The sending off the Martial. I mean. We know Matt Matt commented on Twitter. He he enjoyed that moment in terms of having a shit house player in terms of the the likes of Lamella. We know why Martial gets sent off because in football these things happen when you get caught, even though it's 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 very ironic. If you get caught, you're the one that lands up going to jail. That's just how it is. 
But the scenario in terms of we have VAR now. How does VAR not help in this scenario where you go, well, what, what, first player, the player who's instigated this whole thing, has gone down, has started it, yet now because the ref has seen the other guy doing it, he's the only one that gets sent off. Why does that not get called into question? That's, that's, that's the flaw of VAR, I think. Like, uh, it seems like, you know, it, it, it catches a lot of things, but like some things are still left to interpretation and the interpretations yeah. are then completely uh, incorrect, if you ask me. That yeah. instance, both both players were in the wrong. Both players were at fault. And Martial, in my view, was at lesser fault because he is retaliating more than actually instigating the actual uh, event. But it, it really does raise questions about VAR's worth and value. It's very good at times, but in those instances, it puts it, um, it really doesn't help VAR's cause at all. And that was simple. Right? That was a simple decision. It wasn't anything complicated or... Yeah. Anything, it was yeah. just it was a simple, straightforward thing. That it was you could see both uh, Lamella put a hand up, he puts a hand up, okay, he gets a red, okay, other players should get a red, or they both get a yellow. But, but yeah. also, the, 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 the Anthony Taylor as a referee, guys, needs to needs to take a bit of a break, guys. He he read card <laughs> incorrectly in the FA Cup final, guys. Kovacic should have now, you know, what I mean, so he's he's had the last what three months. It wasn't even a, a punch, it was literally a touch to the face like this, and nothing that nah, was taking nah, the man a, down. And that was a good slap. You know, it's you know, just a, and then he falls, you know? but hey, man, what, what can you say? <laughs> um, that's 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 how you sometimes, um. Uh, get stuff to 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 your advantage, but hey, amen. And and uh, Maria took him off. I think he knew that if he made a challenge, that the ref would probably just give him another yellow and and, and send him off. Yeah. yeah, but the thing is also like so it was a very dubious red. I mean, I'll 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 freely yeah. admit it. It was it was a very very questionable decision, especially given the fact that then even after VAR there was nothing to Lamella, and you there is. Yeah. Mm. You know, they, they maybe they both should have just got yellows and, and be done with it. But okay, yeah. also, then there's the other question. You're preparing for a game with Spurs. You know, you know that game is coming. You know what Lamella's going to do. You know, he is that, that part of his game. A big part of his game is the shit housing. And he gets to play his places and he winds them up on that. And you would have thought that the, the, the team would be prepared. They'd know. You get him in the box and you get around his place. He's going to do that to you. He's going to cause a problem. Don't rise to it. Stay, you know, I would have thought if, if I was a professional footballer, that's the thing I'd be expect to be told to get ready for and prepare for. Yeah. And it was early in the game. It's not like he'd been winding Martial up for eighty minutes and he just the whole lost. day. Yeah, it was, like, yeah. It was just. But, but you know what? The, okay, like I, I was posing the question with VAR, not I mean, from a principal perspective, in terms of all these things that are happening within football, and they're always going to happen. But I'm more okay with them happening when VAR is not in the question because you can't control everything because then it's completely yeah. subjective and these sort of happens these things happen. But when a scenario where it's meant to be objective and there's meant to be control, I think that's where I've got a problem with all of this because, mm-hmm. because it's still not being used correctly. But I think as yeah. to the point of Martial actually doing what he's done, going, should he be prepared for Lamella doing this? Yes, these guys should be prepared. At the end of the day, they are human. The other thing is you've got to say how the game, well, you've got to see how the game was going at that point in time. They weren't in control of the game. Martial had one or two touches at the most. He was incredibly yeah. frustrated. And then there was a guy acting like a baby and that's hardly professional. But it is human, and that's that's the reality. I mean, I would be appalled if I was the manager, but that's just one of those things that happened. Nick, being mm. a coach and coaching your youngsters, 
if you had to have a youngster, like like Matt just said in this scenario, where you go, you know you're going to play this guy, he's going to cause shit, and he's going to get into your face, and you've got a player who's very temperamental. I would often get told, oh, we know you're Portuguese, we know you're hot-blooded, Claudio, you need to calm down. I'm like, yo, man, you know, I'd often get told that. But I, how would you manage that situation, and how would you react to your actually, player still coming I up? actually had that incident. We went and played in, um, in Sweden a few years ago, and we played a Brazilian team, 2 0 up at half-time. Cut a long story short, we knew they were they were rolling around, they were pinching the boys, they were swearing at their mothers, they were doing everything that they needed to do. Um, and I said, don't, don't, you know, you've got 25 minutes, you go to the next round, and probably five minutes into the second half, uh, one of the lads just clocks one of, their, one of their players in the face. And then red card, end of the story is we lost on penalties. So I've experienced it. And, you know, when you're playing sort of continental players, if you want to call them that, um, that, that that's how they brought up. That's how they learn how to play football, you know. And, you know, mm. I would, sure, I would, if I was Solskjaer, I would have been livid. Um, I know he was livid with the fact that Lamela was sort of the perpetrator. But, I mean, it's just so stupid. Like, don't lift your hand to someone's face. I know it's a natural reaction. It's a real human. But that's criminal for me. I mean, you know, if it's 11 v 11, you know, Man United might have lost. But, you know, you wouldn't you probably still have a bit of dignity. Um, at the end of it, you might not have lost 6-1. Um, but, mm. you know, I think he let his team down, um, even though it was probably soft. I, I, I've, I've experienced it firsthand, and it's hard to take because it changes the game completely. Your tactics are out the window. The way you want to play, your strategy changes. Um, so when players, you know, they have to, and it's all about being disciplined, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, I... I, I I would be upset with Marshall if I was if I was social. Yeah. And to no, Nick's no, point, no. like these guys have experienced that like um, on several occasions on various platforms. They know that um, incidents like that won't go under under the carpet. It's something that's gonna come yeah. up. Somebody from one of the cameras will see it. The yeah, linesmen yeah. are there, everybody's there. It's it's guilty. They they shouldn't be doing that. They they, sure. they know better. Mm. Yeah, I mean, you are, but now you can't, man. Yeah, I mean, mm. you wouldn't go to work and um, swear at your boss, for example, no matter how much they frustrated you, unless you were prepared to get fired. It's, it's the same sort of principle. These guys are doing a job. Anyway, now the thing that I've been dreading um, and the thing that Wonga could actually open up with, he showed me something before. He showed me what Liverpool are missing this weekend. And here's your man in a box. <laughs> Alison hey, hey. was the missing link, guys. Nah, there, was, there was a couple. There was a lot wrong. Uh, <laughs> he worth seven goals on his own. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, uh, you know, right. like well, you guys know why Liverpool lost. One guy managed to capture Alison. He's got him in the box at home. I don't know what he's doing. <laughs> but, 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 um, I think you see the first goal, the first goal, and I think that's where it starts. It's. Jeez, oh, Adrian, Jeez, was, the easiest pass was uh, who was on that uh, left hand side? I think it was Robertson. He opened up for him nicely there, and he passes across the goal. Everyone knows that's a sin. You got to be. I know now they're passing across the goal, but you got to be hundred percent sure. Um, and then yeah. he gives it away. Yes, Liverpool. I think Aston Villa. They came there. They had a lot of shots on goal, which that's why I don't want to say that Aston Villa played were lucky. Um, I think they played well. And they 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 fought for the uh, they they got the win that deserved. Uh, but Liverpool, I also think seven seven was a, a huge 
uh, could I say, yeah, I mean, they pull up saves. And Liverpool are also unlucky as well. I mean, with the, I mean, with three deflections. Jeez, <laughs> they were wicked. Yo. Yeah, you don't um, even get that many def- uh, that many glitches in a FIFA game, to be honest. Uh, yeah, that's what I can think. That's of. honestly what it reminded me. Is of that your excuse, Claude? I, I cannot lie. <laughs> lie. It reminded me of FIFA game. I've got a lot shot, of them. Move the keeper out of the way. Keeper in a FIFA game, the keeper will dive full, and uh, literally what happened, and the ball went in the back of the net. But I, I, I want to give Aston Villa the credit. They played very well. Um, what they did, which I liked, um, they literally played Liverpool's high line. They exposed it uh, in Easy. the beginning. Yeah. And then Liverpool were forced. What did Liverpool do to do? They were actually forced to now go even more forward because they want to get their goal. And that's exactly what they wanted. And they just, every time they got the ball, they just tried to look behind that line, behind that line. And it worked the whole game. That A good example of it was that free kick. Um, that they, that uh, that led to Wilkinson's hat trick. That was yeah. um, the guy crossed it and they put it in the far post. Everyone else, yeah. Liverpool, literally left him alone, and it's a thing probably yeah, they do the whole time. They left that far man alone. The guy put it flat on the floor. They let every guy there was offside. Liverpool, okay, I'm chilled. Puts it across, and it was you could see there was a training ground move, and everyone was happy that everything was going according to plan during the day. I called yeah, it the I, suicide line. I thought it was, <laughs> yeah, it was that's suicidal. What I was it was yeah. honestly suicidal. I understand it's because he wants to press and he forces the play in a certain way, but hmm. their switches were so good. They would get the ball in one area and then they just play the ball in behind. And hmm. I mean, what, did, what they had like 20 something percent possession or something silly like that. But yeah. like, and they still yeah. won the game. 70 30. Um, yeah. And, you know, I just, I think Liverpool are good enough to drop off and still beat. Villa or beat any team. I mean, I thought after the third or the fourth goal, he should have just sort of cut his losses and said, it's not working today. And just drop a little bit deeper, protect the goal. And then their players are better than Villa's players. So they'll, they'll outplay them. Man for man, mm. they're going to beat them. But I mean, they were just, they were almost giving them goals, giving them yeah. space to run into it. Mm. Yeah. yeah. It's, like at the end of the day, man, like I, um, you know, when, when I was, the, 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 the post that I shared with you guys, uh, where someone, um, who follows football? Uh, he he was watching obviously the the, the Leeds and, and Liverpool game, and he and he and the guy was saying that you know Liverpool will face you know tougher challenges in the season where their high line might be a might might be exposed. You know what I mean? And I think you know Liverpool against Leeds they were naive and they just you know maybe didn't take the opposition seriously, and they obviously led to conceding three goals. And again here yeah, they. They almost didn't take Villa seriously, but and Villa were just every time they attacked, it seemed like they were going to score a goal. There was a time in the second half where, where was it Watkins or, or Grealish hit the post? You know, it was a counter attack. I thought it was going to be number eight. You know, um, and Liverpool men. It's yeah. Let's just say it's a once-off because because obviously uh, they they played so they played so well this season, but but seven goals, man, with eleven with eleven men on the field is is unacceptable. <laughs> At least I can say my team's I considered. Um, with, with ten men and two with eleven men, Same, like as as the champions of England, I don't know, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. Um, I, uh, Claudio, uh, you you your team made made me feel a little bit better on Sunday. You know what I mean? Well, I think I mean you saw you saw the memes going around. You'll never walk alone, Silo. And I think they they knew the show was coming, and they knew we were going to be sitting next to each other. So they were like, let's. Let's help each other out. I, I think it, like, it, 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 it numbed my pain, man. It numbed my pain. I was, I was about to 
put a bottle a bottle of uh, of tequila and, and down down my down the drink. But you know when I, when I when I saw that Liverpool's losing two 0 I was like, okay, let me let me watch the game. And then it was two one. And then next thing I know, yeah. and I then I changed that. I was like, no, let me watch. Barcelona, and then I hear it's five, it's five, two. I was like, fuck. Yeah, but I still, I actually, I still drink I mean, that I'm... bottle of tequila for Man United because it's going to be tough times ahead. Whereas <laughs> Liverpool doesn't feel like um, it's going to be uh, an occurring, uh, reoccurring effect over the course of the season. Well, you say that, and 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 Silla, you said as a one-off event. I think the seven goals might be one-off, but I think um, you know Marcus in the comments also mentioned it. That, Leeds also showed you can get behind Liverpool's defence. I think there's, yeah, there's, a, there's hubris there. I think Liverpool consistency. You know, they they and and I think it's something they need to address. And you know, Klopp's not. He's, he's yeah. not he'll he'll look at it and he'll he's got a couple of weeks now to think about it. But it's something they do need to address because I think sides are showing that you can that high press that they use, which has been so effective in the past, yeah. seems to be somewhat flawed at the moment. And the right mm. kind of right kind of pace, and you can cause problems for Liverpool. Um, and then we watch that, and, and you know, hopefully, guys like Spurs, for example, you've got some pace at the front and some smart, some smart playmakers behind them, and you know, even they could really do some damage to 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 a Liverpool that doesn't address these issues. And I think that's yeah. what we see with Liverpool so far is that they still get themselves up for the big games. They they were still the yeah. Liverpool season against Chelsea and Arsenal in the league at least, but then against. Against these other sides, they do seem to go in with a certain level of arrogance about it or something. They're, they're yeah. Not- yeah, Kevin Ke- Kevin mentions that. And I think there's there's a couple of... I mean, we can dissect this game. You guys have touched on, you know, the tactical mm. side from the high line. I mean, Kevin speaks about there being a hint of arrogance with Liverpool and no doubt about it. They've just gone is, from yeah. two phenomenal performances. We're saying no one's going to catch them. And then they're coming. They, they know. These players are aware of the fact that they've got internationals coming. They know they're mm. playing Villa and somewhat, I mean, they've thrashed Villa in the past. So they're just going, oh, it's going to be an easier game than what it is. It starts mm. off early where there's that mistake with Adrian and it sets the tone. And straight after the mistake that Adrian sets or makes, we've got mm. the, the Shibobo that Van Dijk receives. <laughs> so, English, yeah. I mean, so, so from that perspective, that is just the whole tone was a lot lack. They kind of strolled in that pitch thinking they were just going to guarantee automatically win those points. But if we actually looking at what Villa did, I tweeted before the game and I said, with Graylish in this team, the biggest thing they did was keep Graylish. But managing to get Barkley and Watkins in the squad, Graylish is an incredibly clever player. He's going to hold on to the ball. You're not going to get the ball off him. And if you are going to try and get him get the ball off him, he's going to win a foul. So for him to have two players that are going to make runs are phenomenal because he's going to do whatever he can. He's going to put these guys through. So Liverpool is an example of what they can do. But they're going to do this to a lot more teams. And why Barkley works in this scenario, in, particularly in this case, in this game, was because whenever you've got a midfielder who's got the legs and can make runs from behind, you're always going to mm-hmm. damage a team that played high line. We knew when we played um, Northwest in the Varsity Cup, they did the same thing. We made runs from deep. And when you've got a willing runner and a clever player, that's always going to be on the cards. So credit to Villa for doing that. Then you've got to look at the, the Liverpool aspect. And you've got to say, cool, Allison wasn't in goal. But it's starting to become a thing where he is getting injuries, which he never got when he was playing at Roma. So is, is, is Adrian good enough to be your number two? He was released from West Ham. So that kind of speaks volumes. Um, you, then you got to look at, you go, okay, well, Gomez. Gomez has days, man. He has days. He literally got whiplash for the second goal. The Oak turned him and it wasn't even that hard. He just, he just turned him and I'm glad they took him off because the Oak was still playing like this second half. I don't know where Watkins was. 
And then obviously there are the incidents where you've got Jota coming in for Mane, Mane not being there, also a huge loss. Then if you look at the midfield, every game Hendo's not there, the intensity kind of comes off at least 5%. And that's one of those things. So it was a new dynamic, Keita, Van Holden, Fabi in, in the midfield. I mean, that's a, that's a new trio. They don't really play together that often. It's not an excuse, but it was very casual. And if you got your captain in the middle of the park there, that casualness goes right out the window. So that was another yeah. effect. Jota had a decent game, but... Obviously, he's not where Mane is. Mane's at his peak. Jota is still learning the trade as a 23-year-old. So, I mean, all these things got to be taken into consideration. And there are, other, there are three more things I want to say. First thing is that last time Liverpool conceded or lost to Villa, I think it was like 5-1, was in 1963. And they went on to win the, the league and the Champions League. <laughs> That's a good symbol. Next thing is, this is the first time champions have ever concede, uh, conceded seven goals in a season. So that's a record. So we'll take that. Good or bad, a record's a record. And the third yeah, one is, we've got Ole, who still has his job because of this result. So great yes. long-term there from Jurgen Klopp. And that's what I think the difference is between the two teams. Like um, Liverpool have to go back and uh, figure things out, but they, they have the personnel uh, starting with the coach and the players to actually work something out. Whereas at Man United, it might be a little bit more of a predicament with the coach and the players, the personnel on display. It's going to be a completely different type of scenario. So I'd still keep that open of uh, that bottle of tequila open, Silla, because you know, give Liverpool a week with the players and the personnel there, it will actually it, there is progress to be made. They've got the likes of Thiago Silva. They've got other midfielders that can do the job as well. Whereas yeah. at, at Man United, if I was Mata at Man United, I'd be super frustrated. I, I produce the goods whenever you call me, but you don't call me for the big games. You don't call me for the league. It's, it's yeah. kind of it's, it's frustrating. And the manager seems to be lost himself. So, yeah, I think the tequila should be left open from your side. Make yeah, it a tequila silver. Also, to, to the, the, the Mata situation is interesting because it's not like you can't even say Mata doesn't fit into the system because there is no yeah. system. Just let the oak yeah. float around and he's going to create things for you. He's going to unlock yeah. these players. Yeah. Um, yeah. We should be talking about Liverpool, man. Uh, why, why would you? Spend 13 minutes speaking about Victoria Bengali. Claude, I want to ask you. I want to ask you. Um, I thought there's there's some some bad vibes between Klopp and his former assistant. Man. His former assistant is coming out and he's saying he was the guy who was running everything. Um, the success of Klopp is all because of him. Like, well, what happened, man? Like, what, what's going on? Why, why is the bad vibes? Uh, look, I don't mind talking about this. It's got nothing to do with the the 7-2 defeat. But, so Buvic, the brain, aka that's what Klopp called him. What happened was this, there was a little bit of a tension. Well, there was tension towards the end of his reign there, or his assistant job there with Klopp, because they introduced yeah. uh, Pep Linders, who was part of the setup when Brendan Rodgers was there. And he came from Portugal. And he wasn't liking the fact that the players were getting along more with him than with the brain, the Buvic. So, okay. yeah, Zambuvic is very... I mean, the dude's Eastern European. I don't think he's the warmest of guys, which is what um, Klopp had in abundance. And now in Pep Linders, you've got a bit of both. You've got the brain and you've got the warmness. So he's, he's almost like a junior Klopp in a way. So, and that's, I think that was, it was just a jealousy thing and the guy ended up leaving in the end. And it was also, the timing was dreadful because it was before the Champions League final as well in, um, in Ukraine when they lost to, to Madrid. And that's when he yeah. 
So that's also the character of the man. So him saying these sort of things, he didn't even congratulate Klopp after being together for such a long time. Yeah. Yeah. But uh, Marcus mentioned something. He says, Marcus mentions it is tricky for Liverpool. Um, what do they change? And let's not be naive here. The thing is, at the end of the day, if we're looking at this result, the players were calm, the coach was calm. Was it a great result? No, it was the worst defeat Klopp has ever had in his career. But if anything, that's how life works. You, the time you find yourself at the highest point is life will humble you. So if anything, this is just another motiva- motivation for the guys to move forward. Nick, what are your thoughts on all of this? Yeah. Uh, personally, I just think he needs to sort of decide when and how he plays. Because if he plays it like that against a better team, he might find himself with another scoreline like that. I don't see it happening, though. But, I mean, something does need to change. I, I, I tend to disagree. I think, you know, teams have found them out. Managers have found them out in a, in a way in which they can be sort of beaten or, or they can be hurt or they can be penetrated. But he needs to be able to change his ways, you know, that. I think you look at like Pep Guardiola, he's also one who doesn't change his ways. You know, at, at times you've got to be a little bit flexible. And I think, you know, when you've already conceded four or five and you're still, still sticking to the high line because you want to press, I just, I, I, as a coach, I don't, I don't understand it. I would rather, I'd rather shut up shop and, and concede less and, and be less embarrassed um, and maybe still try to play through them. Like I said, Liverpool, arguably man for man, are the best team in the league. And they, they, they can beat teams in probably a variety of systems um, and with a, a variety of strategies. So I just think if they're gonna if they're gonna stick this stick to this sort of way throughout a full season, a full Champions League campaign, cup competitions, I I, I think they might be found out more more so than than not. Um, so I, I would I would add a bit of flexibility, and I think I don't think Klopp's stupid. I think he would have thought about that. So. I think watch his space. You, he is a manager that does change it up now and again. You know, I think he spoke after their last victory uh, before um, Villa. He says we varied it up. We went long. We went short. We were playing in behind. Um, but I think defensively he needs to maybe adjust because I don't know that that hard pressing for ninety minutes against a good team and a good tactician, you might get found out. You know, I think. What Marcus is also saying, what you're saying is the fact they've considered these goals, we've got to consider two things here. It is the relegation candidates or the guys that are at the bottom of the league perceived to be at the bottom of the league that are doing this. There aren't any fans in the stand, which also changes the dynamic a little bit. And when you aren't afraid to go toe-to-toe with a big team like that, you can get these results. Normally, traditionally, the smaller teams will sit deeper and they'll try and like hope for the best, hope for a set piece, hope for something. Whereas if you do go to toe-to-toe and you <laughs> toe-to-toe-to-toes, all the damn toes, the 10 toes, if you go to 10 toes to 10 toes, then, you know, you can get something. You can do it, and they've proven that. So to your point, Nick, if smaller teams are going to come out and be brave, then yes, he's got to rethink things. But the, the irony is during the same week, they played in Arsenal, and Arsenal set up completely different. So, you know, yeah. it's, it's different. So, yeah, it's an, interesting, it's an interesting dynamic to be playing around with. Um, mm. Let's let's yeah, move yeah, I, I think I think we need to we need to also take into account the whole issue with our, with, with fans not being in the stadium. You know what I mean? Um, teams are you know they they don't have that added pressure at playing at playing at home. So for instance, Aston Villa doesn't have that added pressure. Also, it can be a motivator. You know, 
but 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 you're seeing all these crazy scorelines because I think mainly because the fans are not there, um, and also with the short preseason that the teams had, you know, so mm. so contributing factors, you know, short preseason, um, teams haven't really worked out um, plan A, plan B. They just they just say, okay, cool. Last season we ended like this. Let's just play the way we ended last season. Then you play against the team. They they just know you got last season's plan. They know what your plan is from last season. They just beat you because they've planned something differently. Um, so without fans being there and also short pieces, I think that's definitely contributing. Um, you know, especially with the, with the with the bigger clubs, man. Players came back what a week before training. Um, then there's new players, as you said. Now Fabinho, uh, Keita, and Wijnaldum have never really played together as a midfield three. Um, Jota is a, is, a, is, a, is a new player. So yeah, all these things contribute, and, and I think it's it's very tough. Um, as you see, with Chelsea, Chelsea definitely already faced that uh, with, with that, and they obviously adjusting along uh, with finding their best eleven. And I think you'll continue to see such such, such big score lines, um, seeing five goals in a game, three twos, four twos, five twos. You know, so yeah, so I think yeah, it's definitely contributing. Yeah, it does take the the, the mentality does like take a, a step down in terms of when you're stepping out onto that pitch. Um, also, yeah. when you used to play, for example, when you played in a stadium when there were a lot of people watching versus when there weren't, weren't people watching, where were you more likely to make a mistake? I, I'd like to say, like, um, I don't know, man. Like, it, like generally, when, when players do play, you get into a zone where you're just in flow, right? You know, you, it's nice to have the fans there to cheer you on. But you you kind of do block them off from time to time as as um, players, like you really are focused on the game more than the crowd. It does add impetus to have a home ground because you you do have that 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 added push uh, of your supporters in the background. But if you are playing away, it really it it kind of cheers you on as well to 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 have fans that are cheering you down. So it's not, but it'd be a tricky thing to say because there's no fans that. Uh, players' performances are going to be updated or not updated. The players are solely there for playing on the ball. Uh, you'll see the same performances from uh, top-class players week in, week out. And the fans do support, maybe for the celebrations and the likes, to actually take it up a notch. But in general play, most times, like people, the, the, like when I used to play, you wouldn't even really um, get a sense of seeing the fans and their jeering and their likes. You'd only notice that, like, before the game, once uh, people are getting warmed up, you see the fans, they get you jittery, they get you ready. But, but that's, and then I think after that's the game. Point, I think that's the point I'm talking about. It's that, it's that before game moment. Because like you said, when you're playing, you tend to block all these things out, unless, of course, you're taking a corner and some guy's swearing at your mom right then. You can feel the spit on your face. But, um, yeah, or they're like, throwing like fruits in the field and stuff. No, like, uh, yeah. But, but, but my, my thing is that when the occasion is of that point before the time, you kind of automatically get in there. I know when I used to play, I would have that one or two mistakes in me when I didn't have, like, if I had people watching, I always played better. It's just one of those things. Even though they didn't make an effect while I was playing, it was that before the game mentality that you knew you couldn't really afford to make a mistake. Um, yeah. But then again, like some other players, they go through those processes of going into, like, um, you know, chanting and singing. Some players go into, uh, uh, like, listening to certain types of music, preparing themselves mentally for the game. They don't really... Having the fans is nice. It adds to the atmosphere for the, the day, but it's not really the end all and be all. I think a bigger factor now is the fact that they haven't had the preseason to work out. As Silla mentions, plan A, plan B, plan C, especially with new players coming in. It's 
we're, we're fortunate to see Thiago a week and a half in of training to actually get on the field and actually gel with the Liverpool setup. Whereas other teams or other players, it really does take some time for them to gel with the thinking, the philosophy, the, the, the culture at the club and how they approach the game, which I think that's a big factor for, for matches and the performances that we see. That's a good point. Good point. Um, I'm going to take us to the next game. It might not be as good as what Matt was hoping for, but um, so it takes a little bit of the gloss away from the 6 1. Um, but let's move over to Wonga in terms of Arsenal actually. <laughs> ah, look, uh, again, uh, I think it's the same as last. Um, I was just happy that, like, again, Arsenal didn't look that I mean overwhelming just like the Tottenham's but I mean they played they played it simple uh the goal was very the, the build up to the first goal where Saka headed it in I thought it was a very good goal um and then they managed to I mean they managed to score two and keep keep the win until the end I mean last year like I said last year if I'm watching that game I'm panicking I'm panicking I'm panicking you know, the, the, like a goal could come out of anywhere, you know. But the defense now, it doesn't, not every attack doesn't look like it's going to be a goal. Um, and that's the difference I see from now. And that's, it's, 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 more comf- it's more comfortable for me to actually watch the Arsenal game now. So, again, I'm happy with the, the three points. We got it. Um, it was a bit shaky towards the end, but we didn't lose it. And that was, that was the most important thing. I mean, even so, the way Arteta and the bench uh, celebrated after the game, like... I mean, this was this this match was their accomplishment. Not not not. They don't worry about anything later or uh, anything that happened before. But they just worried about and focused on this winning this game today, and that's what I liked. Another point. Jeez, um, they they they, took, they put Shaka on. Yeah. They put Shaka on, and literally the place he should have been. That's where our goal came from. That's where we conceded it. The place he should have been at that time. He, we considered that goal, and it, it yeah. keeps on. It keeps. They keep on. I don't know. He keeps on proving my point. He's like a. He's like a Theo Walcott. You know, there's this promise. <laughs> or, there's always this promise about Theo Walcott. Then you're like, no, he shouldn't play. Then he scores a goal, and then you're like, no, it's okay. Then the next game he doesn't score. He doesn't score. No, it's coming. It's coming. Then he doesn't score. And then when you like, you fed up. He scores. And you're like, okay, no, it's coming. No, I'm done. No. Saka, I've decided. No, put him on the pitch. Luckily, we just signed um, uh, Partey from um, from Atletico. Um, yeah. That made me smile. So it's it's a direct. It's direct. There's no complications. I don't hope Arteta doesn't complicate it. Take off Shaka. Put him on the bench. <laughs> That's it. So complicated. You'll play, play, play them together. You'll surprise you. Oh, man, that, if you see that, um, uh, uh, give up. I give up. Yeah. <laughs> Wonga, I liked what you were saying where you speak about the fact that they got it. They got the three points. They got the game over the line. Whereas it was last year, before Arteta, you go, oh, there's there's a chance this isn't going to happen for us. Yeah, I mean, yeah, Sheffield, yeah. they're a tricky team. They're a dirt team. They work hard. And they, they get stuck in. So to get and it wasn't an easy game. If you if you had to watch that game and you had to see any any bits, it wasn't an easy game for Arsenal. It was the game was at both ends and but the, all the goals came in the second half. So they grounded that result and that was that was a big a big win at the end. And that's why I celebrated the way he did. It's building that confidence. It's building that momentum that mm. will help them get over the line eventually, make them uh, possibly a top four candidate. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. 
So yes. longer, longer, what's, what's happening with, with, yeah. with William Saliba, man? With who? The young, the young kid, the young, the young centre-back you guys signed for 30 million from, from St. Etienne last season. Um, I mean, you guys want to send him out on loan to Brentford. Yeah, um, look, I only like to, I'm not even aware of what's happened in that situation. Um, yeah, because he, he said he said he lost his mom, um, and obviously his his mind is not is not right. And then Saint Etienne wanted to take him back on loan in France, um, but then you guys said no to the loan to take him back to France to be closer to family. And then now you want to rent um, loan him out to Brentford in the championship. You know, rather you could have loaned out the kid to <laughs> French team in the League One where he knows the environment. He's he's you know you guys spent thirty million pounds on the on the kid. I know he's 20 years old, 30 million pounds on someone and you don't use him. You know, I think obviously you guys should be, you know, that, you know, but obviously you, you as you said, you, you don't know what, what the situation around him. Yeah, I, I, I don't know the situation. Um, but, and, and yeah, you, it's, it's uh, you're right, you spend 30 million pounds on a kid and then you, um, I mean, now you're not using him. But I mean, like you say, I mean, he's saying his kid, he's, I mean, he's, he's, he's his mother passed away, and I, mean, I think it's yeah. it's a complicated situation to deal with. Um, yeah, now you're going to send him away to another country again. Um, I, I don't know; it's a complicated one. And, and I think for Arsenal as well, I don't think it's um, I think it's probably a unique situation, Arsenal's case, um, because the only other player there that's like getting paid a lot and that's on the bench is 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 Mesut Ozil. Um, so I think yeah, yeah. Well, a little bit of playing Ganosaurus himself, isn't he? Yeah, I see. Like, I mean, a lot of things happening inside there. I think, uh, like on the field, it's good, but um, it, yeah. like up there in management and what's happening. I mean, with the with the staff and all that, I, I don't know what's going on. And it's it's uh, I'm just happy it's not affected what's happening on the pitch. But geez, yeah. it's uh it, it can't be a for me it's not a good uh how would you say I don't know what the right word to say is, but it's not it's not a good look uh being an Arsenal um the team. I mean you got Mikhail Arteta, everyone likes the guy, seems like a likable person, Arsenal's playing well, you got the Pierre America Bomyangs, like a Z. I mean everything seems to go seems to be um, the, the 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 look you get from Arsenal on the outside is that it's a you know it's a happy team you know we we together we happy no one's going to be treating people like Bruno did to Maguire and then in the in the in the in the back it's it seems like it's uh yo it's every man for themselves it's savage out there yo cutting like, uh, head are getting cut at the back there so, yeah it's a, it's a very you almost think it's two different uh entities you know but there's actually it's one club so yeah it's, it's whatever's going on there i, I wouldn't even know what to say how to just to fix it but Wonga, do you not think um do you not yeah. think louis should have been sent off for what for that pull and... <laughs> so he was one-on-one -on -one with a goalkeeper and he pulled the no. he pulled the leicester player um, the leicester player the sheffield united player back so i watched it and um they reckon uh, did you watch the game though? I don't know. Maybe no, I watched the whole game. game. I'm trying to see. Maybe I missed that part. That Arsene Wenger, so, I didn't incident thing, you know. The player the player um the player carried on running 
and the keeper intercepted the ball. But if the player went down, I reckon he might have been in trouble because he was the last man. Because um, no, that's, that's uh, uh, Luis doing silly things again. Yeah, you see, uh, that, 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 you, know, you see, when he said that, it's exactly what in my head. David Luiz, when he came here, was doing stupid things and he got caught for them. Um, and then we got punished. But just, you see, it's things like that now. You see someone like that now, nah, just if he's still doing that stuff, nah, step aside, step yeah, aside. Man. Yeah, step aside. And then I he, needs, he, needs, he needs experience. He needs experience, man. Yeah. <laughs> no way. No <laughs> anything from what, experience. What, 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 yeah. Wonga, Wonga, Kevin, Kevin, ask your thoughts on William. Tell us what do you William, think. Yeah. Look, Kevin, Kevin's you before, a Chelsea fan, so he wants to know. Even before William uh, signed with Chelsea, he was playing. I think a Shakhtar, and I've said it before. Um, um, I saw him in the Champions League. Yeah, he was playing. Um, what do you call the centre attacking mid, uh, just between the, the the midfield and the and the strikers. And yo, he looked really, really, he looked um, unstoppable. Um, in that position, he looked very, very dangerous, and I think that's why I mean Shakhtar were able to get there to that place and still sort of hold their own against some teams. Um, and when he when he went to Chelsea, Chelsea played him all the way down the wing, and I think I I would like I mean if especially if you're not going to see more of Mesut, um, I'm hoping maybe he can try uh, Arteta can try that. We'll see uh, playing William down down the middle. Uh, but what you do see often um, with William as well is that because now the guys are, you've got your, 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 we've got the right mids running the whole, right mid and left mid running down the whole flanks, William actually does come into the middle. And you can see he's un- getting those passes now and then very calm and relaxed in uh, just around the penalty area. There's not uh, rushing things or just... Uh, He's not rushing things, just kicking the ball or going, always going back, but he's always trying to look for that forward pass. And uh, I think that's what I like about uh, William. Even, I mean, with the Bomyang, he's quick to get the ball, switch to his side. Uh, very, he's a very direct player. And that's, I, I've, I've always liked William. He's in the team. I don't think he can do much. Um, he has to do a lot. Um, he has to get past Shaka in order for me to not like him. So, yeah. <laughs> That's some way yeah. down, huh? Looks like we've lost Claude. But, but tell yeah. us, Mosa, let's, let's talk about your game, man. You don't mm. know. Yeah, I mean, dude. Against Crystal what Palace. A, what a victory. Just good, I put, man. I put Werner, uh, what's a Timo Werner as my captain, bro. As your captain. Sorry, man. I think he's probably like top pick on a lot of uh, people's uh, fantasy leagues this this past week because of the the expectation that was set uh, during the the the, the, the cup Midway. where he scored his goal. Yeah, yeah the Madrid Cup. Um, he, he did he did show some promise over the game, but I think uh, a lot a lot of uh, credits go to the defense and the goalkeeper over this game, uh, keeping a clean sheet. Uh, Mendy looked good. His distribution looked good. The team looked solid. Um, possession on uh, they, their possession on the ball was really good. They were in the last two thirds of the game. Um, they really, really did frustrate Zaha. I don't know if you guys saw Zaha and how he was. His his yeah. body language did show how difficult of an occasion it was for them to actually get the ball over to him. So, yeah, man, I'm I'm very very happy. I think. Um, um, there are a little bit of tweaks that we could make here and there, uh, especially in the centre mid with Kante and uh, Jorginho. But 
it'd be it'd be it'd be a big call for Lampard to change a winning team, especially a team that's won in this in this format. It was nice to see uh, Abraham's actually fighting for the second penalty there against uh, uh, with thing with <laughs> Jorginho. It's yeah, awesome, so- man. Like. <laughs> That was that was really quite. Uh, there was a captain there. He says no. I'm yeah. still making this decision. But that's yeah. what you want. No, you want your striker fighting for that. You want your striker to want goals. That's you know, they shouldn't be walking away like no, oh, whatever. You know, that's that's what you want. Yeah, yeah exactly, exactly that. And it's it it, it is it is a uh, good that um, Jorginho was given the penalty again because it also uh, like that thing of saying like if things are working well, don't change them. I think it's a real philosophy that Chelsea probably have to consider this season, given the new players that are coming in, the options that they do have at their disposal. If they do go about changing too many things, it could uh, mess up the, 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 the current chemistry that they do have. So, yeah, man, I'm very, very happy about that. That result it was a top, top result. The football that we showed was of the highest draw. You could see the players are actually like international, European type of players where you could see the passing was crisp, the movement was crisp. The Crystal Palace had a lot of firepower. Townsend and Zaha were just nowhere to be seen. And unfortunately, that, that's because Chelsea were that much better on the day, in my view. So, sorry, go, go ahead there. I was going to say, Chelsea, there's an interesting question mark about Chelsea because they get up for these games against someone like Palace, who you'd expect them to beat. You know, given everything yeah. that where Chelsea were last season, plus what they did during the, the transfer window. But then when they played Liverpool, they they... they they weren't the same. They weren't as as as, as quick to the ball. They were they were more standoffish. They weren't as dominant on the field. I think sure. the question mark with Chelsea is whether they can translate the dominance they can bring to a game against a smaller team to the bigger side. I mean, you know, Liverpool is a tough example, but I'm keen to see Chelsea against some of the other big teams in the league. I'd like to see Chelsea City, for example. I think that could be a fantastic game, and I think it'll be a really good test of just how far Chelsea's come. Um, so yes. that's. You know that because uh, I think there is still that question mark. You, you kind of expect Chelsea to be Palace as much as yeah. you know Palace has got that firepower. They should win that game, and yeah. so I want to see Chelsea really win a game where maybe the question, you know, where maybe they're not expected to win. Before I really believe, um, believe in old Frank, you know. Yeah, sure, I agree with you hundred percent. There are some games which they come into where they don't look like a Chelsea type of squad. They look like another team which is just coming to test options out coming to see if they can get a sneaky goal here and there. And they're not actually jumping on the offensive and dominating the game, which is if they're going to look for top four position again this 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 season, they have to come out against Tottenham, come out against Arsenal, come out against Liverpool, actually looking to 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 take the dominant uh, position of the game as opposed to sitting, sitting a little bit deeper and looking for opportunities to strike. But German, yeah. uh, it is a new squad. As you say, they, they did spend a lot of money on that squad. And we still haven't seen uh, all that money come to display. I mean, there's still a lot of players that haven't actually, or a couple of players, big names that haven't actually gotten their chance to play, which is, it's exciting, but it's also a problem because where mm. do you change? Where do you make the changes in the yeah. squad? Because yeah. it's, a, it's a tricky challenge, you know? But yeah, we- yeah that, the approach is good. The change room seems fine. Aspilicueta took, um, even Abrams probably understands the fact of, why he never got that penalty after after that uh, little uh, incident. And yeah, that's a good place. I think it's a very good place for them to be fighting issues like that. Mm-hmm. I, I know we spoke a lot about penalties in the previous episode. And um, I just want to mention the fact that there were two penalties given in this game. Two penalties, right? And the reason Nick mentioned the whole David Luiz incident 
where whether or not he should have been sent off. If the striker, and I think what is it, Burke, if Burke being pulled by his shirt, right? He is being pulled yeah. by a shirt, one-on-one -on -one of the keeper. He's solely got his eyes on the ball. Um, he doesn't even see Leno. If he decides to fall to ground, that's probably given as a red card, right? He doesn't. Yeah. Then you've got in this scenario, in this game, where you get two penalties given, and both of the players, firstly, the one you could argue was more of a penalty than the other, but both touches were completely innocuous. And it was one yes. of those where if the players stayed on their feet, they still get to the ball and they can still have a shot and goal. But they literally, and you can see it in their body action, they literally throw themselves to the floor and it's not even seamless. It's a bit delayed, but they still get the penalties. So yeah. my, my whole debate is like, how then does, how does the attacker get the advantage of that scenario when they can stay on their feet and go score? Like, I don't get that. No, you, you're right. Um, I'm even looking at like the Chelsea second, uh, I think it was the second penalty. He, the guy took the, he got yeah. there, took the shot and then he trips over the, the keeper's follow through. Yes, the keeper doesn't touch the ball, but the, the, the guy shot off target. You know, it's not that the keeper puts him off target. He he shot off target, and even yeah. And then you look at the the child. The, the I mean, the Chelsea penalties for me. Yeah, I, I agree with Claudio in that sense. And if explaining what David Luiz did, yeah, that would make sense to give that a penalty over the. Well, if they give Chelsea's ones penalties, then there's no there's no question about what David Luiz. I did not see it, but there's no question. All I can say is what like, you're telling me is true. That's a classic comment in manager where it's like, oh, um, what about this incident? I didn't see it. I didn't see it. All I can say is like with, with the introduction of VAR and you know um, the, the analysis that's going to take place now in the box is we're going to see a lot a, a lot more penalties which are softer than we've seen in the previous seasons and yeah. we've seen it with the handballs already it's already raised these questions where it's like things are just going to be a lot easier to get into a position of a penalty in the box and yeah I mean that's uh, unfortunately some incidents will be missed like David Luiz's one but a lot will be caught and some of them will be according to the rules. Hey, Musa, they'll they'll be so strictly the, according to the rules. You know this, uh, which I think it was the, I think it was the Liverpool game. I can't, now I can't remember. But there was a, but either way, the, the guy took a, a cross in, they crossed the ball in and outside the box, the guy puts his hand up. Like, you know, the normal defender turns his, ha turns, turns his body, it hit his hand yeah. and went out for the corner. And yeah. the free kick for me would have been a better position. The, 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 it was, he was literally on the corner of the box. Yeah. But the ref didn't call, the, he didn't give the free kick. They just, ah, just gave it a corner. And the guy complained, he's like, hey, that's a handball. Had that been yeah. in the box, would he have said corner? It would have raised questions. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, he should have also had a penalty, by the way. Yeah, the probably would have called a penalty had it been in the box. They need to just yeah. be, with, the, with these VARs, with the rules, whatever, there just needs to be, uh consistency and that's that's where i do um i see now in the beginning when they were giving the handballs all those handballs um i i was i was happy that no there's consistency but now ah you see they're going back to that thing of you know now there's not really consistency in what decisions the power made. the power is different the power is yeah. different <laughs> in the box versus outside the box that's just how but, it is yeah <laughs> yeah, I think we, we just have to consider that's, that's, that box as like a very hot, 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 hot. Uh, it is the hot pan, boy. Yeah. You're going to burn things the there. Problem. Yeah. Burn, here's the problem. Here's the problem. Yeah.
It's just, it's yeah. when you're cooking, you know, the temperature is just different. In the box, it's like on a 10, <laughs> and you're going to burn things, and outside, it's like on a 3. Most, I do want to say that from like a Chelsea perspective, you yeah. you talk about the new guys coming in. I mean, you get Chilwell finally makes his debut. He gets a goal, and I think it was two assists. And then you've also got Mendy in goal. So Kepa's, he's, he's already passed in the memory. He's already long yeah. gone. Yeah, I mean, he's still God. unfortunately on the bench. <laughs> We had a few shots at us which never turned into goals, which is a, is a blessing from God. It's been a while since we've had like, uh, <laughs> it's been a while since we've had that, you know. So it's good, yeah. man. Like, um, I can't complain, honestly. Like, um, Mendy's looking well, his distributions. I don't know if it's as good as uh, Kepa, but it's, 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 it's really, really good. Um, but his shot stopping is there. Um, it's actually like confidence. It creates confidence between the lines. So it'll, it'll step up from Mendy. And then you get in front of him, Thiago Silva and Zuma, who will also have a lot more confidence. And then my only concern is now having these two, um, Kante and uh, Jorginho there. I don't know if it's if it's still necessary for both, but it'd be difficult to change it now, given that they've, they've got, a, got a good result. So, yeah, man, uh, can't complain on my side. Yeah, I think it was a decent weekend for Chelsea. Um, it wasn't too crazy. They got the goals. Um, let's. Someone here has been very quiet and he's been very patient and he's been wanting to <laughs> sing it since he came on. Newcastle got three goals. They scored three goals. Maybe one team. Yeah, three goals. <laughs> can you imagine? But I tell you what, uh, I'm I'm really chuffed. Uh, Callum Wilson's. He's a player. I tell you what, he's a goal scorer. Um, I think we spoke about it already. A few episodes back, but for me, I think he's got a shot for England if he conti- can continue scoring in arguably quite a weak team um, with mm. better service. I think he could probably do it do it for most most teams in the Premier League. Um, his hold up plays good. Uh, he finds himself in good areas. You know, you know, a strike is decent when he's scoring the tap ins because he's actually going to the areas and he's not attracted to the ball. Um, yeah. Something that that is actually such a good characteristic, just. Not, not, not being attracted to the ball and gambling and going to areas in and around where the poachers generally score. Um, scored a penalty, and then I think our sort of game changes. Uh, Alan said, "Maximan, uh, probably the most." Yeah, that, that man is. He's so tricky. He's he's only twenty two. He's only twenty two. Maybe he's not twenty two, but. He's 22. You're yeah. uh, doing him a right now, bro. <laughs> Maybe he's 22. He's obviously a kid. I hope this doesn't get back to me. But uh, he's got three kids, so I was just a little bit, I don't know. <laughs> the man's been feeding those kids. He's been feeding them, bro. But uh, no, he's he's unplayable at times, and and when, yeah. when he turns it on, he really turns it on. Um, I actually saw a video of him in training, I think last week, and he beats like four, five, six players, and he's it's it's just easy for him. And and I think players or defenders from opposing teams don't want to put a foot in because it's he he, he wins a lot of fouls, he gets a lot of knocks. So that's only the sort of um, downfall with him is. Every third or fourth game, he, he, he tends to get a, an injury of some sort uh, because players do tend to kick him. But I think all in all, it's, I'm happy to be a Newcastle fan. Um, I personally am happy that it's the international break because now it's two weeks of a winning team. Uh, Man United next. I'm pretty confident with that, actually. Um, I think we've got a chance, to be fair, and it's at home. Um, but I think, Matt, you said it, you know, 
the highs of, of supporting the team. I mean, you you telling me about Spurs, please, you must feel my pain, man. Uh, <laughs> I, I win one a month and I'm happy. So, yeah, we'll see. Um, we've signed we've signed half-decent players. Defensively, I think we look shocking still. Uh, we're playing a mighty average Burnley team. We're very predictable. And I think if you've got a little bit of something different, you can you can hurt hurt a team like that. Uh, so yeah, I'm not going to get too excited, but uh, I had a I had a beer in my hand watching the third goal in, and I was delighted, to say the least. Yeah, cheers oh, to that, man. bro. Good you you yeah, deserve so that. I man. feel like now, now, seeing as we have these chats once a week, I feel like there's a little part of me that goes, "Oh, oh did, did Newcastle win?" Because it feels like they've won a cup like on the weekend. That's so I'm just like, <laughs> yeah, no, it, it is. Listen, um, it's it's tough supporting a team like mine, but. You know, when the highs are when we win, the highs are high, but the lows can be very low. So and it worked out good well, well for you too, because you were you were watching the game while you were out partying, weren't you? So it was like yeah. it was a two for one. Yeah. Right? So I, I had to adjust. I think they had some La Liga game on, and I told them, "Hey, listen." And uh, I think Timo ODV was playing in the background, and uh, <laughs> he was behind his head. So I was jamming there, and the third goal went in. So. Yeah, it was good. But for 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 good a good thing, Silo, not for a positive for Newcastle as well. I think also if we uh I think Nick would also share the same thought is that I mean in the beginning Burnley after you guys scored the first goal, Burnley looked like yeah, they're gonna score and score again, you know, after yeah. but uh, yeah. they scored and I mean, they managed to keep them out and then score the two yeah. goals after that. I think that's I'll a very be, good positive. Honest <laughs> with you, like I think I've said it before, Steve Bruce is really he is a dinosaur and he doesn't really have a plan B. Um, mm. I mean, nine times out of ten, we'll start a game, the ball will go back to the centre backs, and boom, we pump it forward, and we play off second balls. And I think we tend to rely on sort of individuals, and we've got a few that's of them. True. I'm sorry, I, I still say John Joe Shelby. There's there's not many who can pass the ball like him, and when he's when he's on, he's really on, and he can ping the passes into spaces. Um, we've got a couple of attacking players that can add value, but we've got we've got a lot of weak players as well. I'm not, not going to hide from that. So, ideally, you know, when the players aren't being coached, which I thought they were with Rafa, um, you know, players were improving. You could see individuals actually improving. There's a couple of individuals that have gone backwards under him. So it's mm. it's always at a knife edge with us, um, okay. and we'll, we'll just be a mid-table team or just above relegation. And if we survive, I will be drinking beers with all of you, celebrating. When you say that you, know, you guys rely on individual brilliance, now you, you guys definitely do, and I think that's 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 what Steve Bruce needs to kind of change in the team. You know, when you've got a yeah. player like. Say Maximan, and you've got Almiron on the bench or, or, or starting. You know, you need to use these guys uh, to the best of their abilities. You know, imagine yeah. say Maximan and, and Wilson playing together as as yeah. a three. You know, with the, with the, and and with Shelby springing the passes. You don't need yeah. to then front to a Carroll. You need to take Carroll out, man. Carroll, Carroll's the guy you bring fifteen minutes when you need to go. Hey, listen, Carol helped him get a, get the point. I helped Carol was the, the reason behind that point at Spurs. One long ball, oh, yeah, pump, yeah. penalty, and all of a sudden yeah, you got something. As I said, last 15 minutes is where Carol is should be playing. Yeah. Not, not starting the game. You know, I mean you can play Almiron and, and yeah. say Max 
And that's where at least you got some bit of creativity. Yeah. You know, I, I tweeted it the other day, and I, I think it's something that a team like ours is, is missing is a that box-to-box animal that runs up and down. I think I've spoken to Claudio about it. Decore was one that got away for, for me. I mean, leaving a, a relegated Watford was a no-brainer for, for us to go spend a bit of money. I know he went possibly to a better team now, Everton. I mean, most teams have that, you know, sort of guy who just, you know, keeps the team ticking. You've got Kante at, at, at Chelsea. You've got Genie. You've got Hendo at, at you guys um, at Liverpool. Uh, Sissoko at, I mean, I, I said, dare I say Sissoko in my tweet, actually, but I couldn't stand him. But, you know, he does it. He, he serves a purpose and he does a job. And we don't really have that. Chelsea doesn't have the legs. He'll, he'll do as much mm. as he can. We don't have that sort of biter who's just going to come there with a big axe and just sort of clean everything up. Um, so I do worry uh, when we do play better teams, but we, we're a lucky packet. You know, when you go to the lucky packet, five-round lucky packet, <laughs> you don't know what you're going to get. <laughs> we'll see. We'll see. But, but Nick, but Nick the, 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 transfer window, the transfer window between the Premier League and the Championship is still open, you know. Um, you, you could sign like an, an uh, Etin Kapu. Um, he's still at Watford. Do you, do you think you guys could go for such a signing or signing? I want the one I want is um, I don't know if he went anywhere. He was linked to West Ham. Is Ben Rama from? He's still there. He's still there. That man, I watched him live. That guy is fire. He's he's he needs to play in the Premier League. So I think so much. But uh, Steve Bruce says he's 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 happy with his signing. So how can I argue with Big Steve there? Yeah, but you know what, Nick? Nick, put put, put a put a little um, motivational letter together, and we'll fax it to Steve Bruising as he's a dinosaur from on behalf of Goal Lounge, and hopefully they go after that player. We're um, gonna move on to the to the a game that we need. We're gonna touch on it briefly because we're gonna talk about other things after this, more specifically the transfer deadline. But um, Everton Brighton, this is an interesting game. Why? Because they've won four games out of four. Last time Everton did this, they won the league. Um, a couple of things to consider here is we've got Angelotti managing the side and arguably a, a side that suits him to the T, a side that is working class, a side that doesn't have to be flamboyant, but more organized, which is what he's got in his locker, a side that currently seems to be walking on the pitch with swagger, which is what he also gives to these players. I mean, it's ridiculous. They're walking on the, the field and they look like champions. The only weakness they have at the moment is Pack, uh, Pickford. Um, the, we, we said going into the season... We didn't even put them in the top four, largely because we said they didn't have a striker and they didn't have a keeper. Well, they've got the striker in Calvin Lewin. Um, what they don't have is the keeper still, but they're still getting the results. And they've got the Colombian connection working between Mina and James. And there's just everything right now is working there. What do you guys think yeah. about what's going on in the, in the blue camp of Merseyside? I think it's really think, cool. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, like, I think before... You know, before the season, everybody was talking about City and Liverpool. What are they going to do again? Is anybody going to get anywhere near them? All of that. And I think the first four games have shown us the, the depth and the excitement of the Premier League. And that's kind of encapsulated in Everton. Like, they, they, mm. if it was today, they'd be rightful champions. If we went into a second lockdown and we had to cancel the league, give them the chance. Give them the trophy. Why not? You know? <laughs> like they, it, it's been great and and same thing with Newcastle I mean Callum Wilson going out there banging them in for fun you know this is what the Premier League's all about Newcastle who are a fun side to watch you're never going what you're going to get but they're going to score a lot of goals and Everton just really playing well and and it's not they haven't been lucky they've been having a, they've got a solid system like you said Ancelotti's yeah. 
the basics. They're playing really good football. And it, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they went on and pulled off a Leicester. They, you know, they, that's what Leicester did. They started off, everybody kept saying, oh, it'll drop off, it'll drop off. We're all thinking the same thing about Everton, even if we're not saying it. And But what if they didn't? What if what if Ancelotti's formula works for the entire season and they pull off something big? We, we, it'd be cool to see them up against a, a really big side. You know, when they played Spurs, we were not at our best the first game of the season. We were all still a bit mixed up. I don't know if the game would go the same now that we've got a bit of a, a of momentum behind us, but it'd be cool to see Everton come back up against a really big side and see how, how they play then. But And Brighton was an interesting test for them as well because Brighton have also been an interesting side this season and, and they've got also a few... The, the way Brighton plays is not... They don't sit back. They do have... They try to create something. So it was nice yeah. for, to see Everton able to overcome conceding two goals and still win the game and still dominate. So... It's, it's yeah. I think, it's fun side. I, I want to see more. And, and I've, as you always said, had a, I've always had a problem with Everton, uh, specifically because I've always thought that Newcastle were a bigger club, and I just thought that we had a lot more potential. <laughs> and, <laughs> and it just it pisses me off to see a team that just shows just shows you if you put a little bit of ambition or show, show a little bit of ambition, you can you can do something. And I've True. always I've always said, you know, they they'll be there and thereabouts and top ten and. They, they, they've, they've never really had the X factor, and I think that X factor now is Carlo Ancelotti. Um, the mm-hmm. man has done it wherever he's gone. He's won the pre- he's won the Premier League. He won it with yep, Chelsea. With Chelsea. Um, mm-hmm. So, I mean, he's he's done it in England. He's done it in Spain, Italy. He's he's been all over the place. So, I mean, you know, you come into the Premier League, you don't need to go to your cities, your Liverpool's, your Man United's. You can go to Everton because Carlo Ancelotti's there. I think that's also personally why I liked having Rafa because Rafa had also done it wherever he's been. He's won the Champions League. He, he can attract players, you know. So the manager, and and, and, and that's why I'm saying in terms of Silo, I, I personally don't think Ole can attract players. But players might not want to play for him, but players do want to play for Klopp and Ancelotti and, and Mourinho. Yes. Um, and that that is a reality, you know. I was watching Emil Heskey this morning and he said 10, 15 years ago, players would die to play for Man United. But now, and that was probably the only team because of, because of Fergie. But now you've got so many so many characters of managers in the Premier League where they, you, you want to go play for, for, for probably five or six of them now in the league. Mm. Um, so I do, I'm, I'm very impressed with Everton and I just don't think, I don't think Pickford is the one if they're going to go forward personally because he is a Mackham and he's from Sunderland and I can't stand him. And he's got short <laughs> And I think they're better England keepers as well. Um, yeah. But I, I think, I don't know, someone was saying uh, the other day after the game, I think he's he's very prone to like when he makes a big save, he's high-fiving all his players. But then he's making too many mistakes and he's banging the ground and he's he's almost like too emotional. I don't know. He's if, petulant, if man. Yeah, he's very yeah, petulant. Yeah. Yeah, you can't have a kid in goals. That's that's yeah. it. You can't. Yeah. Yeah. So I think, you know, Everton, she's, let's see what they can do. I can't wait for next weekend to see what, what happens. Whoever wins will probably go top. Um, and we're actually forgetting the other team that hasn't lost a game yet is Villa. And yeah. They, yeah. They, they're doing something. They're doing something. Yeah. Um, I don't know if we yeah. spoke about them, but it, it's interesting to see that depth that the league has right now. Yeah. 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 And uh, talking about the players, we might as well, in terms of players not wanting to go to United, um, we might as well talk about the next thing. 
and that <laughs> is the transfer deadline. And are we happy? As, as are we happy with what you landed up with? As for your teams, the situation, how are you guys feeling? I mean, Matt's nodding his head; he's smiling. Let's just jump yeah. into that camp. Yeah, well, Spurs did a great window, and it's, you know we, we've we've had some bad ones, so this was great. You know, <laughs> Bale back is an emotional boost. We haven't even seen him on the field yet, and I just feel better for having him around. You know, it's uh, um, and and uh, Reguilon and. Um, He's the way he came in, and he adds that something different from left back. Davies is a fantastic left back, but he's more defensively minded. Reguilon going forward gives us that something. And you saw it against United. Reguilon and Aurier yeah. side by side. It's a fantastic. You know they they're really good going forward. Doherty also coming in. He's a, a really really good right back, and he's he gives us that having the both Reguilon and, and Doherty in give us the opportunity to play three at the back with some wing backs and. That's that gives us that that plan B, something different that we can bring to games, and I can't wait to see uh, a Son Kane Bale front three. I think that's going to be, you know, <laughs> that, that's just going to be amazing fun for me to watch, and yeah. it could be incredible. It could all end in tears, you know. Both Bale and Kane could break a hamstring at the same time, and it'll all end in disaster. <laughs> <laughs> for, for the same ball, and then we pull up. Yeah, yeah. Both of them just collapse in a heap and have to be dragged off. <laughs> Or <laughs> three of them, actually. up front, but it's it it's it's just it, it was it was the kind of window that we needed as Spurs, and I think you see the difference in in how Spurs are approaching games after the Everton game when the deals were confirmed, and everything was kind of done and dusted, and Bale was then. Now, when we go yeah. into games, certain there's a level of confidence. We walk in a bit taller, and the fans are yeah. feeling a bit better. You know. It's, all of us online talking on Twitter and stuff. Spurs fans are feeling good about the club again, and, yeah. and that's what you should do with possible. Because ultimately, the individual players I don't think make necessarily a massive difference, but it is it's the feeling and 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 what you get out of it, and and the contrast. Maybe we should yeah. go straight to United. Is when it doesn't come off, when you don't get what you want. You spend an entire summer talking about a single player who then stays at Dortmund. You know that's it's, it's, it has a, a a big impact on on the squad and on the feeling of the fans as well. Yeah. yeah, and um, to to that comparison, so Selo, if we're going to compare the Spurs and the Kane sort of transfer window and who they landed up with, I mean, you had even even when Ole was at, took charge of United, there were still rumours of Kane being linked with the move to United. Now you're going, especially after this weekend's performance, you're going. There's no ways that that move will ever happen. If Kane leaves Spurs, it's not to another English team. It's either overseas, but it's definitely not to United. Yeah. It'd be tough for a manager like Ole Gunnar Solskjaer to attract that type of talent. And, and it, it, it's unfortunate because, you know, the purse at Man United uh, is big. The, the history of the club is massive. But um, players like Pogba, they, 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 don't, they were like uh, unicorns. They don't go leave a Champions League final to go play in the league to go compete for Champions League positions again, you know. And it's, it's tough to find in, in world football. But... Um, yeah, man, like um, from a Chelsea perspective, I'm happy with the signings. Getting the goalkeeper in is a massive, massive relief. Uh, it would have be, been like a, a massive spin that we'd all put up in the front five players. But then if we had Kepa still in the back, it would have virtually worked out to be like a, a nullifying effect. So now having a, a Mendy who looks solid. Uh, I haven't seen a lot of him, admittedly, but he looks a lot better than Kepa at uh, shot-stopping and he creates a lot of confidence. I think 
is great, man. Like, uh, it gives Steve, um, not Steven Gerrard, uh, Frank Lampard a big headache. <laughs> Sorry, uh, it's, it's, it's easy headache. to make the confusion. I mean, the one is far like a greater player. He's just always in the back of your mind. It's, you know. <laughs> <laughs> okay, Claude. <laughs> <laughs> oh, man. But yeah, man, he's got a, he's got a massive headache ahead of him uh, for this season. Everything that he's wanted, he's gotten. So um, he can't really like fault the team. He can't fault the players. He can't fault the management. He has to just look at himself at the end of the season if it, if things don't work out. Yeah, but yeah, all in all, very happy with that. Uh, the signing. Yeah, I guess, I guess the, only, the only thing is that he needs to, you know, he, he, like fitting in all those players um, is going to be tough. You know, when when Pulisic and and, and Ziyech is a hundred percent. You know, Hudson Adoy has already shown some some good some good, good form. Promise. Yeah. Until the, the, the West Brom and and the Palace game, he's played very well. You know, and then be removed and put Pulisic or put Ziyech in, it will be kind of unfair on him when he's playing well. And and I just mm. hope that doesn't doesn't uh, like throw him to the bench immediately because because that kid definitely he 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 has potential. And I think if you give him some uh, um, a run of games. He can definitely do do the work, and then obviously Bayern wanted to buy um, get him on loan with an with an option to buy, and then you guys rejected it. So you guys need to put some trust in him, but it's kind of tough when there's so many options in in the in the in the in the front line. But also, hundred yeah, percent, man. Think about it. That's also the kind of perfect Chelsea for Lampard. You think about when Lampard was at his peak and Chelsea were at their peak. They had the same problem. They had a massive squad with really talented players. You think about the kind of guys who were regularly left out. Joe Cole, Aaron Robin often had to sit on the bench and wait for their chance during when Lampard So in a way, he's used to that and he knows he should know how to do that and how to get the best out of players and keep them amped up. So even if they're only playing every third game, that they go in and, 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 and perform at their peak because of that competition. Yeah. And it's definitely a, yeah. a problem you'd rather have than have a sport with a lot of... And yeah, exactly. It's a big challenge for Lampard and definitely the expectations have ratcheted up. I mean, there's but, big expectations. But, you know, but what's interesting is it's not just a challenge from whether or not they keep him happy from that perspective as to whether or not he's playing. It's Even in this window, he's still being chased by Bayern Munich. He's 18 years old. He's on a contract of £180,000 a week. But Bayern Munich still want the lad. So there's, yeah. there's that risk that if he doesn't get game time, he's just going to look elsewhere, look over his shoulder and you know, make, make a jump to Germany. Where he's seen a Sancho's excel as an example. Yeah. He'd yeah. yeah. yeah, fit the mold of like a Kingsley Coleman and, and the likes. They're very direct type of players with a lot of um, uh, pace and a lot of energy when they do play. So, yeah, he's very exciting for world football as a whole. It's just, you know, with the players that are around him, it's going to be tough for him to actually put his, his, his name on the starting 11 week in, week out. Don't worry, man. Yeah, it could be another situation where you let go of a Salo or De Bruyne or a Lukaku. You know, they leave Chelsea and become all, all stars. Oh, yeah. that's, that's how it works. Yeah. Sorry, yeah, Salo. The thing is, with, with the Euros coming, right, um, positions for, for the English wide positions, um, you know, Sterling, Rashford, Sancho, and then obviously like a Hudson Adore, he wants to be one of those wide options for them. He's been in the English squad, but now he's with the under-21s. So he needs game time to impress Southgate and to be yes. obviously uh, Harvey Barnes got into the squad from Leicester you know what I mean so now Harvey Barnes has gotten ahead of him so he needs to kind of like get back um, get his spot back in the team and then there's still Foden and a Greenwood that, that will also be fighting for those positions once once they, 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 they get allowed back into the team 
Yeah, they need to just keep the girls away from the hotels, though. <laughs> yeah, man. It's not throwing parties, man. Yeah, Chelsea <laughs> seems to have that, that party problem. Um, now, we, we said a lot of bad things about United, but they did land some players on deadline day. So, Lord, how are you feeling about the guys you landed up getting? Yeah, and I'm, 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 I'm happy that we, we, we decided to, to, to sign uh, Alex Tellers. Um, it's always, you know, you, you need options in, in, in certain positions. And, and, and I never liked Brandon Williams as a, as a second-choice left-back because he's a right-footed player playing left-back. You know, it's never ideal. It's for, you'd rather play a person um, with, with, with um, you know, using the opposite foot in, for emergency situations. But, but going to a season, you need to have a, a, another option um, Luke Shaw, you know, he's had good uh, good games, but also he's had poor games as well. So you need to at least keep some competition for him, have another option. And Alex Tell Alex is a good option. Um, he's got a good um, left foot on him. He, he's, um, he scores free kicks. He's, uh, he's a good uh, person with a set piece. Um, and, and I think it's a good signing. Uh, Edinson Cavani is an interesting one. Um, you know, I saw a yes, video. I saw a, vi I saw a video. Whatever you're saying, Claudio. Or whatever you say, that's a desperate that's signing. Cool. Is it not a desperate signing? They, 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 they put all the eggs in one on. basket. Yeah, listen, exactly, listen. exactly, Wonga. They put all the eggs in one basket. They were so arrogant about how they went with the dealing of Sancho. They wasted yeah, time. You telling me if, if you, you let the player go? Hang on, Silo. But that's the thing I've always said about 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 the board, right? About at Man United is that the board at Man United are not football people. So the decisions that they're making don't surprise me. You know what I mean? So us getting Sancho is not a surprise because what, what has always happened with Man United, right, um, is that the seasons that they've made the Champions League, right, they don't spend, right? Yeah. Mourinho came second, right? And the next season, guess who we signed when Mourinho came, Mourinho came second? We signed Diego Dalot for 21 million pounds and we signed um, Grant, third choice goalkeeper. Mourinho got them to second uh, within nine points of, of, of City, and, and they, they don't they didn't sign anyone to to back him up. Now similarly, when when Van Gaal also got a, got us into Champions, same thing the next season we sp we spent about fifty million pounds. You know what I mean? Now this season as well, same thing. You know, Sosha got us in top into the top four. We don't spend. It's a it's a recurring theme. It's not a surprise. Um, so the whole central thing it could have been like literally it's it's literally um, you know they they often do this in in Spain, uh, Barcelona and Real Madrid, right? Where the where the supporters want a certain signing, um, then they say that we're going to try and get the signing, we're going to try and get the signing, we're going to try and get the signing, and then at the last minute they say, "Ah, oh, guys, it didn't work out for X, Y, and Z reasons." But in actual fact, did they really try and get those signings? So that's that's what 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 similarly happened. Man United is that the board says we're trying to get um, we're trying to get uh, what's essential, right? But in actual fact, these guys don't want to spend a dime. They want to spend anything. You know they want to spend it all, so you know they would never spend um, more than they were never going to spend a hundred, more than hundred million pounds in this window because we're in the Champions League. Last season we were outside Champions League. We're trying to get back into it. They will. They only spend when we're outside Champions League, and that's and that's what and that's the thing we, we, we need to realize. Um, and that's you know that's a valid yeah. point, Silo. And it's it's a it's a pattern that saw Arsenal um, slowly slide down the slope. And now they're they're trying to climb back up. So there is a pattern in that scenario. Oh, and the irony yeah. is the American owners. Um, the 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 thing we've got to consider here is whether or not they really wanted Sancho. Okay, you saying they didn't, but the, at the end of the day, I think they did want to land the guy. The problem is now 
Sancho's never playing in a United shirt. He's never going to land up at United. That that opportunity is gone. End of this mm. season, he's going to either play for a big Spanish club or he's going to play for a City or a Liverpool. He, he's not. The chance for United to sign him was ripe and they didn't take the opportunity. So it's, it's a big blow. Cavani, is he going to do the thing? I think he'll still get your goals. He'll do well. But it goes against everything that United are pretty much setting up for in terms of building for the future. It's, it's a player who's going to help you for one season, then you're going to have to find another player. And also hinders the development and progress of your Mason Greenwoods and your Rashfords and, 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 which blows my mind. It's very, very confusing. But I think overall, I think United will be okay with the Cavani there. I just don't think. It just proves the point that the board don't back him. Um, yeah, no, it's not backing him at all. So, so, man, you just have to... The, the only exciting signing um, that we've made is just too bad he only arrived in, in January. Uh, Ahmad Diallo, um, he's, he's obviously an, uh, an 18-year-old from, from, from Atalanta. Ivory Coast, um, young kid. Um, he's he's one of the top three under 18s in, in, in Italy currently, um, and and yeah, he he should um, bring some some sort of excitement. But also, you don't want to put too much pressure on on such a kid. He's definitely not someone that you want to be like strengthening your team now. Something for the future, you know what I mean? So, and that's what Social needs: someone who's going to come into the team right now uh, and 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 make some change. But uh is never going to. No, back him um, in that regard, and and yeah, he's set up, he's set up to fail, and uh, I don't I don't see him lasting the season. All right, um, Oof, it's a big one. Nick, Nick, oh. no, yeah. no, no, we're saving the party for last. <laughs> <laughs> Nick, but, uh, yeah, I, I think I've spoken already. I'm pleasantly surprised we signed a couple of players, um, players with a bit of experience from um, from the Premier League. So, I mean, signing a Burnley player, uh, I don't know how good that is. Jeff Henrik, he looks all right. Plays for Ireland. Um, uh, Callum Wilson, <laughs> I think, Callum Wilson, I think, is the one we needed. Um, we spent 40 million on Jolinton, a Brazilian striker come winger who has really failed, um, I think. He's actually playing all right on the sides, but I think it's just a waste of money. Um, and it's it's a waste to really give him the number nine shirt, which is generally for someone who who bangs the goals in, and obviously the famous number nine in in, in the northeast is is big big for the fans, big for the club. Um, so yeah, I, I think Ryan Fraser will be a good signing, the Scottish lad on the side, and I think the combination between him and uh, Wilson will be quite key because I think when Bournemouth were firing in the last couple of seasons before they got relegated. That combination was was really good. Um, so, I think with what we have, we'll have enough. Um, I'm, I'm slightly disappointed we let go of one of our centre backs, um, uh, Florian Lejeune. We put him on loan, and I think he was one of our better centre backs. And I think if we get any injuries, I mean, Jamal Lasalle has gone backwards under under Bruce. I mean, I thought he had a shot for England at one stage, and. He's he's just making mistake after mistake now, and he's our captain, which is just another sort of Harry Maguire situation where you look to your captain, he's making mistakes that are so schoolboy like. Um, so I wouldn't have of 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 loaned him out, or at least maybe sign a replacement um, of some sort. So all in all, I'm 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 happy. Um, Jamal Lewis on the left, uh, young lad from Norwich. He's been okay. I know you said he, uh, Liverpool were interested, Claude. I'm not, I'm not 100% yeah. convinced with him at the moment, but I do think with the right guidance, I don't know if he's going to get that from Bruce, but 
I think he might evolve into something good, especially because he's not afraid. He's very direct. He likes to get down the line and, and put some crosses in. Um, so all in all, not too bad. Um, I think Marcus said something about the Arab owners. If we got, if we got the Saudis, <laughs> um, I think this would have been a whole different ball game. I think Edison Cavani would have been coming to us. Nothing, man. I felt sorry for you guys, man. You guys were getting excited. People were. Ah, no, I, I don't get excited anymore, bro. This, yeah. is this has happened five or six times for me, so I don't believe it until I see it. But uh, I think we could have been speaking a, a different sort of um, conversation. Maybe Bale would have even arrived at us. <laughs> <laughs> he probably would have afforded him, maybe. Yeah. <laughs> I story with the right. take of Newcastle for me was the funniest one because everyone was immediately digging up like human rights abuses and all of this stuff. Like these yeah. people are terrible. <laughs> the rest of the world is like, yeah, they shouldn't be involved. Everyone in Newcastle was like, he's still better than Mike Ashley. Just yeah, yeah. <laughs> we don't care about those other issues. He's better than Mike Ashley. <laughs> I mean, yeah. you, you saw Mike Ashley's reaction when you guys were awarded that, awarded that penalty and got that point. He was like, mm -hmm, yes, I can add like an extra 10 million pounds on my asking fee now. Yeah. <laughs> That's what he was thinking. It was like, oh, like Mr. Smithers from Simpsons. But like, yeah. Um, I think I've said it before, though. It's just tough because he's not even a Newcastle fan and he doesn't really care. He actually supports Spurs. It's just a, it's just fun for him. So, yeah. yeah. Oh, shit. Okay. Wonga. Wonga. Come on. Get the party uh, going, my man. Get it going. You landed the player you guys were uh, after. Apparently for seven months. Yeah. yeah though, I, I remember the a long, yeah, beginning of the year, I heard the news. Before him. I was actually... When I when I heard that they were close to signing, I was actually quite surprised. I wasn't really following the story, but again, I was happy because I, I truly believe that's one area we need to change. <laughs> Shaka, you know, um, yeah. and then we can start moving forward. Uh, because I think about it, I mean, like, I know. Look, I don't have anything against the guy as a person. I think he's a cool guy, but generally on the field, I just don't think... I mean, if, if he's a defensive... Yeah, because uh, Wonga hangs out with them on the weekends the they share beers. That's mm. how he knows, yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. You I'd have something against stuff, him, actually. About as, a, as, a, as a fan, man, like, as yeah. an Arsenal fan, I'd actually have a few issues against him, um, given the, the antics that we saw from Shaka last year, where he was walking off the field in the likes. It's, yeah. it, 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 yeah. it would peeve me off to see that coming from one of our players. Yeah, no, it's true. Uh, yeah. And again, you see that that's the thing, the frustration that he's caused play with the people is that, you know, I think they're just frustrated, not at him, but just <laughs> the way he plays, you know. Uh, but uh, like I said, what say he... Yeah. Uh, he's he lost him. Okay. Forward, swap, put the guy... Oh, oh yes. So what Wong is trying to say Sorry, I is that when I came back, but anyways, yeah. But, oh, you're uh, back. Yeah, keep going. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah so I was saying it's just straight for me. It's straightforward. Uh, put Pate there, and let's try build on the. I mean, the other positions. I was also not. Uh, I see Lucas Torreira. I'm not sure if he did leave, but he was also looking on a way out. It looked like he was heading to Atletico last time I checked. Yeah, he did. Yeah, um, he, he did say Atletico. Yeah, Oof, that's see, a big loss. Yeah, you see, and he would have, you know, now if now um, Partey gets injured, you've got only one option, and it's uh, it's quite sad. But yeah, it's El Nini, you got El Nini. Uh, uh, 
Yeah, I'm not talking about Alenia will play there, but this one is gonna if Partey is not there, they're gonna have to play Shaka, and that's you know. So and yeah, I, I think even the front, William. They must play Sabios, man. Sabios oh, has yeah. been playing well. I watched him against. I watched him, I watched him against yes. Portugal yesterday. He played well as well, he, so I feel that that's yeah, midfield. Yeah. He looks very promising, so not promising. I think he's actually the right person instead of, yeah. I just think we should try. We're coming. I mean, we've tried Chaka now for for years. I think let's try something else now. You know, in that midfield, our our strikers. We've got Pepe. Pepe, I think he, he has for me. Like, I think he still has a lot to offer. A lot more he could offer as a player as well. Uh, Nicholas mm-hmm. Pepe. I think he could score a bit more goals for us. Uh, can he do it against Man City? Can he do it against the Liverpool? Um, that's the question you need to ask if he wants to. I mean, if Arteta says he wants to win the, uh, the Champions League in three years, um, I think those are the questions he needs to ask those players. Mm. Um, yeah, that's I, I remember, I remember your, your, the Edu uh, had an investigation into the signing of Pepe on how Arsenal spent 72 million. So obviously, he came in as a sporting director and he said the first thing he wants to do is to look into the signing of. Of Pepe and saying, how did we spend seventy-two million on this guy? Mm. Uh, I, d- I don't know about that, but yeah, uh, that's actually a good question. It's quite a show for the money to spend is, on. Uh, Pepe's a, not a bad player, saw, but to he's be fair, Wonga, you saw you saw what he could do on the weekend. Like if he's confident, yeah. if he's back, he's yeah. still young. There's potential there. Is he? You're gonna sell him more than yes. seventy-two million pounds? Probably not. Yeah. But there is there is something there. But the party thing was it's great because at Atletico Madrid he was a great he was a very good player for them and he does a little bit of everything yeah. he's a very good defensive player he's very good going forward he's got an eye for a pass and he did well in a club like that very well organized so now if you're going to draw parallels between Atletico Madrid and you're going to draw parallel with what Arteta is trying to do with Arsenal again very organized the difference is and how he can excel is the fact that he's coming into this Arsenal team and he's going to be the main man now yeah. at Atletico he wasn't the main man. So here he can really like the opportunity is ripe for him to become the guy that Arsenal look towards. And if it works out, mm-hmm. then you guys are gonna have a serious player on your hand. Which comes to my next question. Guys, who is gonna be the players who has the impact on the season for the Premier League in terms of the signings? So aren't you coming to on your own team, man? I mean, I yeah, can't come yeah. to my team. You got Thiago, which is uh whew, for steel even. Mm. Yeah, well, I- I'll let you guys talk about the, the guys at Liverpool brought in. Let's let's see. Everyone. Let's go. <laughs> no, no, but, 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 then, but, then, but then the question is, is on, a, on a Gomez, for instance. Um, you remember when we were talking about the whole centre back issue, about you know the partnership of, of of Van Dijk and Gomez. It's good, yes, it's great. But then, what happens when? Um, are you going to always rely on, on Fabinho to come in? Because I don't know what's is my, my, how, how long is Matip's injury currently? Yeah, Matip's always on and off, so you can't even say yeah. he's going to come back exactly. in like two, three weeks and then he's out for another four, <laughs> then he comes back for great five games, then he's out for another six. <laughs> so, yeah. So, so I think maybe you guys maybe just short one one defender. I think that, that would have made it a okay, and a, and a backup goalkeeper would have made it a, a perfect transfer window. Yeah, yeah, exactly. A nice little backup. You could say a backup goalkeeper would have been perfect. I think Fabinho can do the job at centre-back, which is why they haven't tapped into the market. There's also another youngster by the name of Williams who's had some game time. He's actually just made his under-21 England cap now, um, so he's doing all right. So they're not desperate in that sense, even though, I mean, Gomes is walking around like this after the weekend's game. But, you know, it's one of those things. They did sign the most important player in in Thiago in terms of giving us something different. 
the thing I'm more concerned about is the thing that Liverpool have seemed to have signed during this window is COVID. Because now we've our third player has been diagnosed <laughs> with COVID. So that, that, that's that's where I'm worried. Yeah, I'm worried about that, to be honest. So, yeah. But back back to this thing. I want to talk about who you guys think transfer of the season. Meets Thomas, meet Thomas, Thomas party, man. Literally. Because, because it happened in the last couple of hours of, of the transfer window. And listen, man, I, I, I watch a fair bit of La Liga football. Um, and and, I, and I, when I watch that guy playing with Saul and Niguez in the midfield for, for Atletico, that guy is, an, is a midfield enforcer. That guy, he, he can do anything. He can dribble, um, go past the player. He's got a great shot for a free kick. Um, that, that, guy, that, that guy is a great signing. I would say that that, that is one of the, the, the best signings I've seen. Um, and I, I would have said t- uh, also Timo Werner um, is, is, is a great signing for, for, for Chelsea, man. I think that guy, even though he hasn't scored in the Premier League as yet, but, I, but, I, but, but there's, there's some good stuff coming from that guy, man. Um, he's, the way he's so direct and he's running um, and he's clinical and he scored, what, 95 goals in the last three, three, three seasons for, 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 for Leipzig. I think that that will definitely be, be another one. Um, so I would say Pate and, and, and Werner. Cool. Wonga? Oh, wait, I forgot uh, Tego Alcantara. Sorry, man. Hey, no, that's... Okay, that's... but you've only got to, you've got to pick one. you got to pick one. Yeah, this guy's going for like 10 options. Yeah, it's hey, like, man. you know, option hey, A, man, B, C. He's, he's sick with COVID, I forgot, man. Hey, Tego Alcantara, man. That's a midfield, <laughs> that's, uh, that's, okay. a, that's, a midfield that's a midfield general. That's that that's a person who, who changes any game. So I'm just... I'm just mentioning people who who are gonna who are gonna do well. <laughs> you know, you know, sir, Mr. Mr. Um, Ashley Young over here. Ashley Young was the player where when there was like a one word answer required, he wrote comprehensions. The man. <laughs> <laughs> I say, yeah, I say Gareth Gareth Bale. Um, yeah. I just, yeah, I think the guy fit um, is oh happy, and I think happy is the most important. One, yeah. Um, I think if he's like that, ah, he'll be dangerous. Uh, especially at Spurs. Yeah, that's for me. Okay. What the heck was that? Yeah, <laughs> <Man>. that's me. <laughs> See, then Mongo was the inverse. When there was a comprehension, the Oak wrote one word. Who do you think? Who do you think? For me, I'm thinking about it in terms of the player that's going to give me the most most bang for my buck, and and then it's kind of for me it's a toss up between what Ollie Watkins and Callum Wilson. So I just think for the sides they've joined, they're just perfect for the system. If you look at what Wilson's done at Newcastle, and and you touched on it a little bit, Nick, that Joe Linton's now moved out to the side. He's moved out to the wing, yeah. which is actually his preferred position. And I think yeah. what you probably see is you guys are going to have. What we had with Sissoko, with Sissoko's first season, he was an empty shirt. And I, I, every time he was on the field, I was just, what are we doing? And then in his second season, he was a revelation. And now I love it. He's, he's an amazing player. And I think Joe Linton's going to do that for you guys because you're finally playing the way And Wilson will speak that up. And he's banging goals. You know, for, for I think it's going to bring back the fun to Newcastle. The same with Ollie Watkins for Villa. Because now it's freed up Grealish. He doesn't have to do everything. Grealish isn't doing create everything, score everything, sing the theme tune, wear the mascot uniform. You know, he can just do his job on the field. And it helps having Barkley there too. And and, in, and and I think for what they bring to their sides, for me, those are the two signings that are really going to provide the most. And, and 
we might not see either Newcastle or Villa eventually in the top four spots, you know, but, but I think for the, the way they're going to change their teams, they're going to be the most valuable. I mean, you expect James Rodriguez to play well. You expect Thiago to play well. You know, even Partey, yeah. already talk, he's the new Vieira, which may or may not give him a, an unfair amount of pressure, but you expect these players to perform. But Wilson and, and, and Watkins are going to actually change their sides and, and, yeah. and, and other players in their team. And I think for that sense, for me, those are the really most shrewd kind of bias in the offseason. Marcus yeah. agrees with you. <laughs> yeah, Marcus agrees hundred percent. Yeah, I see that. <laughs> I see that approach of like thinking of the most impactful players that do come into a team. But I, I look at it in a sense of like the quality of the player that comes in and the, the value that you purchase that player from. Um, if you look at a, a player like Thiago Alcantara, he's just won Champions League. He he is a pivotal role in that. Uh, but he was a pivotal role in that Bayern Munich team, and. He literally came to uh, Liverpool for a steal. Um, and that's why I think he's probably the best signing of the season because it, it was cheap. He could have went to any other club in Europe and he decided to go to Liverpool and he went for uh, a price tag, which was um, Chelsea signed players like Havertz, Werner, Ziyech for, for more than um, Thiago Alcantara. And they still all kind of have to prove themselves where Thiago Alcantara is... Uh, finished product coming over to Liverpool and joining it. His amount of impact at Liverpool might not be as significant, but he's going to be joining the best team at the moment. And it's very difficult to show, to show that impact. But um, for the price that they got him at, for the general entertainment of watching the English Premier League, I think he's the best signing of, of, of the transfer so far. You're talking about the impact, but he's already come up with that stat with the most passes in 45 minutes that he's played in the Premier League. He's already got a stat to his name. Which is first, first 45 minutes. Yeah, but like, uh, you know, it's crazy, man. Like, I think he's like, it's it's uh, the same as a Pogba type of signing. These guys are literally went from Champions League finals, winning the things. But the, the type of price tag that they paid for Alcantara is, is not even it's close to Pogba, which is... Yeah. Yeah, so that's why I think it's a it's a bargain and a half. And he's I'm gonna agree with I'm gonna agree with Wonga though. I think Gareth Bale for me, I just think he's hated his life playing football for the last two years, or not playing football. Um, playing golf. Just, I think there's an opportunity. Yeah, he's playing golf. So I just think <laughs> I think he's still got it in him. I mean, when, I'll never forget that uh, after he came back from Wales and they. Had that that whole flag incident where it said, um, what "Was it golf, um, golf, Wales golf and Madrid in that order?" And then he went to go <laughs> play for for Madrid. He came on uh, off the bench, and, and I can't recall who it was. I think it might have been a Champions League game. And uh, he comes off and he cracks the 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 the, the crossbar. And he was getting booed the whole game for like 20 minutes that he was on. Oh, and I, I just thought, like, when he turns it on, when he turns it on, he, he's, he's incredible and he's so powerful. And I just think yeah. from what I saw of Spurs and what I think Mourinho's got um, in terms of a, a project, if you want to call it that, taking on a team from maybe mid-season last season into a full sort of pre-season, if you want to call it that, um, he's molding something that he that that is his, and it's uh, that it's not really Potch's anymore. And I think 
wanting Bale in that. Um, I, I and I think they had a decent relationship when he was at, at Madrid. So I personally think I think that's a, that will be very um, very key for any success that Spurs will have this season. Yeah, good point. Good point. And uh, I'm going to wrap this up with mine. And it's going to be in and out. And I think it's going to be Ross Barkley. I think that's going to be a hell of a player for them. I think a Graylish has been dying for a player like that. And he's got him. And I yeah. think he's going, to, he's going to do the business for Villa. And Villa will probably end up mid-table, not relegation candidates. Um, yeah. Settle, don't worry. Next. Oh, what do you want to say? But, that's, but that I think also that, that, that is Barkley's level. Eh? I think at, at, at Chelsea, man, he didn't just shine. Too much, man. You know he was but great. Chelsea, look if you if you a player going to Chelsea, it's it's difficult. I mean, if you watch the recent Fernando Torres documentary, he speaks about it, and he was a star when he went to Chelsea, and he couldn't find his foothold there because there's there's a lot of names out there. For Ross yeah. Barkley, he excelled at an Everton, an Everton where he became it's a, at at that time so or still is kind guy. of a smaller club. He's a big guy, main guy. I mean, he is physically a big guy, but he is the main guy there. And now he's joining a Villa where he's gonna become the the next best thing next to Grealish. Yeah. Yeah. So it's going to, I think it's going to work for him. And I think uh, to, to Marcus's point and what uh, Matthew was saying is in terms of most impact, I think Barkley's going to be it. So yeah. And don't worry about Ceylon. Our teams are going to bounce back with a win. We'll probably see one of the other guys come back with a sad face. Nick, whatever he lands up with, he rocks up with a beer and a smile. So we're good. We're going to beat Man United next week, don't you? <laughs> all right it's been real guys thanks for joining me i'll see you guys next week hey, cheers. cheers bye stick around